Hello and welcome to the Hivemind 2022 Awards. If you're new here, my name is Jake, and this episode is the grand finale to our three-part series of awards episodes, where the four of us, myself, Justin, Derek, and Jacob, will be sharing our favorite music from the year. If you missed our previous episodes, we nominated some superlative awards for best breakdowns, best features, best live performances, favorite new artists discovered, and more. In episode one, we shared our top five songs of the year, and in episode two, we shared our top five EPs of 2022. In this episode, we've got one topic, our top 10 albums of 2022. Each of us will share our runner-up albums that just barely missed the cut before we get into our top 10. Sit back and relax, because there's a lot of incredible music for us to talk about from this year. Be sure to follow us on social media, at HiveMindRadio underscore on Instagram and Twitter, HiveMindRadio on YouTube, and HiveMindRadio Recap on Spotify and other podcast platforms. After a full year of monthly recaps, this is the grand finale. It's now time to get into the HiveMind 2022 Awards. It is time for us to talk about our favorite albums of the year and have a crisis in the process. Justin, Derek, Jacob, it is time for the top 10 albums of the year episode. I know we are all scrambling like fucking hell to actually get coherent thoughts across for all of these albums that we're going to be talking about tonight. Uh, I'm not even going to ask how you guys are feeling because I already know that other than Justin, we're all just having a fucking breakdown right now. No, I need to uh, say this. Okay. I need to say this. Step in. I had an assignment that was due on Tuesday that I finished. I have spent probably four times as long in this document creating my top 10 list as I did with that assignment. And I got perfect on that assignment. This is hella stressful. But it's also hella fun. It is. So with that being said, I don't want to waste any more time because last year this went for four hours. So we need to get right into it. <laughs> Actually, hold on really quickly. I'm getting a phone call. <laughs> you give it a second. You might have to edit that me out, but just one second. Before we get into our list, I want to mention that we are going to first start off before we get into our list. We're going to be mentioning two runner-up albums, technically our number 11 and number 12 albums of the year. Uh, we won't be discussing them in any capacity, but we do want to make mention of the albums that just barely missed the cut for the top 10 albums of 2022. And since this is the only topic we have for the episode, if there is any overlap between our lists in the number 10 through the number 4 spots, we will be mentioning if it is on any of our lists. So for example... Uh, let's just say, what's an album that's on none of our lists? Uh, probably Lorna Shore. I have to imagine Lorna Shore is not on any of our lists. So let's just say that, like, in a hypothetical universe, Lorna Shore was my number eight, and Lorna Shore was Justin's number five. If I was talking about Lorna Shore as my number eight, Justin would mention that, hey, Lorna Shore is on my list too. But then he would talk about it later, and for why. Uh, but that's just a hypothetical example. Let's not waste any more time, as I already said, my runner-up albums for number 12 and number 11 go to Paralysis by Led by Lanterns and Eulogies by Wolves at the Gate. Shame that Eulogies is only a runner-up, but we'll give it that. Well. <laughs> 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 huh. Huh. <laughs> We're off to a bad start, folks. <laughs> we're, uh, we're guessing. No, we all we guessed each other's close. things. Yeah, we, we should mention that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Take it away, Derek. Oh, yeah. So we all, like, deliberated behind each other's backs, like, what everybody's, like, top 10 runner-ups are going to be. Um, and we thought we had it down. So far, we are 0 for 2 for Jake. So. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did all right. we not have at the gate? 
No, that's that's a that's a runner up. Not Jake's list. Oh, I thought we had it on Jake. No, no. If Jake was Justin, we might be doing better. <laughs> Damn. Uh, more on that okay. later. My number ten album of the year is Spirits by Nothing More. I'm putting a check mark down. I feel like that one was pretty easy to guess. Uh, it's no secret that Nothing More were one of the gateway bands into rock and metal music for me back in 2017 when I first found them. It's been a long-ass wait for this album. And ultimately, I am still a little disappointed, but I still think there's a lot to love about this album, which is why it landed at my number 10 spot. Turn It Up Like Stand in the Fire, Tired of Winning, and Ships in the Night are an amazing opening to this album. Tired of Winning is my favorite song on the album. That riff is groovy and chunky as fuck, and it has an incredibly memorable chorus. But the deeper you get into the album, the deeper that the thoughts and the lyrics get. Uh, my favorite non-single from the album, Don't Look Back, um, gonna read off some lyrics from that song real quick there's power and guilt something i'll never touch there's connection and hate something i'll never trust there's love and abuse but that's no excuse i'm done and then the bridge of the song is want something to work at the push of a button but nothing's enough i'm done uh and then that leads into a super cool little bridge riff breakdown type thing uh don't look back is what i wish more of the rest of this album sounded like it's very experimental. It's not your stereotypical rock riff with a verse chorus, verse chorus type structure. And while that does persist throughout the rest of the album, I think Don't Look Back is the most successful in that concept. And I think the back half of the album is where it does fall a bit flat to me in songs like The Other F Word uh, and Deja Vu, particularly. I also want to make note uh, some other lyrics. Best Times, I think, is a very introspective track. Um, it's bittersweet how the best times aren't the best times until they leave. Um, and given that this album, the general theme is about relationships and like breaking apart and abuse and all the typical stuff that comes with a relationship or that could be associated with a relationship rather. You also get a lyric of, and the years just pass just like that. And the rain falls when I look back, are we better off remembering or forgetting how it used to be? Are we ever going to get this back? Are we ever going to get it back? Um, just a very reflective song in the middle of the album. Um, at the very end of the album, you get two fantastic tracks, which really, if it weren't for Valhalla and Spirits, this album probably doesn't make my top 10. Valhalla has one of the most memorable choruses of the back half of this year. Uh, some people's minds just aren't worth changing some people's games just aren't worth playing my peace of mind ain't always worth saving i was just too young to see i was just too young to see the truth will set you free and the vocal delivery on that line in particular is just so fucking good and then you also get a bridge in that song which has a lot of power to it um the instrumentation matches the tone perfectly a time to love and a time to hate a time for war and a time for peaceful change a time to plant a seed and a time to rip it out a season for truth and a reason for doubt when to fight and when to run know when to speak and when to bite your tongue there's a time to heal and a time for blood there's a time for violence just it makes a lot more sense when you hear the vocal delivery matched with the instrumentation to this 
And then that leads into spirits, um, which I actually found a quote about what spirits the song and I guess the album as a whole is about from uh, Johnny the vocalist. Uh, shout out Genius for copping all the lyrics for me. Uh, but he said that it's almost as if we turn into someone else when too much of the spirit has been consumed. Um, sometimes it's eye opening and can lead to wondrous life changing conversations or bonds that would normally never happen. And sometimes it can lead to the exact opposite. And I feel like that's a really beautiful way to summarize everything that this album encompasses. I have not spent enough time with this album to fully analyze it. If I had more time to fully analyze it, if I enjoyed the songs on an individual level more, I think this album could be as high as number three, in all honesty. There's another world where this is in my top three albums of the year, I think. This world is not it. Some songs fall a little bit flat. It almost feels too like deep i there's so much depth to it that you really have to connect to this album to be able to pick it out and i wasn't able to fully connect to the message of this album it's there i know it's been crafted beautifully but there, there's a bit of a missing link that's holding this album back for me before i pass the torch on to justin derek i need to know did you get around to this album i did and honestly, I think it's full of the best material that they've ever put out. That, that's all I needed to hear, really. I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. But now I'm going to pass it over to Justin. Give us your uh, runner-ups and your number 10. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, these fucks have been trying to guess my list all year, and it's coming down to A disaster. <laughs> we got it. We got it. This is going to be fun. Uh, so my runner, or my honorable mentions, um, in no particular order, because I don't really care enough to number 11 and number 12, um, we've got Rain City Drive with their self-titled album, and uh, Thousand Below, Hell Finds You Everywhere. Why did we remove it? <laughs> <laughs> Funnily <laughs> enough, if Thousand Below dropped like a month earlier, definitely make my top 10, but damn, it is sad. And I, my number 10 is Paralysis by Led by Lanterns. We removed this one too. <laughs> We're in shambles. We're in shambles. I really thought I was the one to like this album more. No, I'm I'm a little I'm surprised su to see it here, to be honest. I was surprised to see it on your honorable mentions. I was like, this has to be there somewhere. Dog, um, this, this before you get into it, this album fucks. One of the most underrated albums that we are probably going to be talking about tonight. It does fuck. There's so much good material. Like Light by Lanterns in general are like really creative, very, very educated, um, musically talented uh individuals. Like they they help Normandy quite a bit on tour and stuff. Like they know their shit, and you can easily tell from this album. Like there's so much material and like detail going into each of these songs. Uh, they've got some of their best material on here too. Like they've got um, Criminal, which was what like really was kind of my gateway song, even though Disconnected dropped before that. They got Catacombs, which in my opinion is the best song they've put out. And it, yeah, it is correct. It's, it's so good fucking good and, and goes hard when you need it. And that fucking um, breakdown. 
fucking breakdown, even at the start too. Like the the just really high energetic start is a lot of fun. Um, I gotta give it up to Good Enough too. That's honestly like my top three off the album would be. That's the closer, right? It is the closer. Yes, fantastic closer. Um, that's the Mercedes. Yes, feature. yes. I love how it ends. Um, the the song progressively adds more instruments, and then at the end, um, you get like a little bit of the of the harsh vocals, and then just a straight instrumental breakdown to fade out into the end. It was a really good way to cap off the album. Uh, Paralysis, uh, the title track, is really good. Uh, really kind of sets that scene of the kind of unbreakable um, sleeplessness and uh, really just sets the tone for the album. Um, I'm glad to see it was like very high in the album to kind of set that bar and then I felt like the songs here in general were all very consistent. Like you get six feet down into catacombs, like that energy yep. continues on and it, it works really well. Um my only gripe and the only reason this is my number ten, because he's dropped as singles, except two. It was like alive and satellite, right? Uh, I think, yeah, I think so. Yeah, Alive and Satellite. Um, those are Definitely the Satellite, two... definitely Satellite. I remember that one being one of the last ones. Those were the only two surprises that, I, that I'm aware of, and all the rest was kind of built up over, like, months and months, some even years. years. Disconnected, I think... when I found Disconnected, it was summer 2019. Yeah, This album was a long fucking time in the making, and Three that's, years. like, the big thing that kind of held me back from just leaving it as a runner-up like this album not to like take away from your spot here but since it mm -hmm. was one of my runner-ups i just want to mention that like the main reason why it's a runner-up and not in my list is that this album had more impact on me a year ago than it did now like in the past 12 months like as for as incredible of an album that it is it just did not leave much of an impact on me for 2022 so. I was I was originally tossing this up to be my uh, runner up because I I had um, uh, funnily enough before I gave it uh, runner up for most disappointing I had a uh, I prevail true power on my list somewhere but as I like got into that more I just threw it off and led by lanterns was pushed up and it's just I I can see the the gleaming talent from this band and just how much they know and how much they can put into their music. I just wish it was, you know, the standard three, four singles, drop the album, give some surprises. Because if Catacombs was a fucking surprise, cool. Ooh, that would have been good. Yeah, if this album released in, like, November, December last year instead of January this year, easy top ten. Mm -hmm. Easy. Alright, Derek. Okay. Part of my list that is <laughs> defined um my number 12 my second runner-up is dark sun by Dayseeker, and my number 11 my first runner-up is rain city drive by rain city drive and then my number 10 album of the year is chelsea park after dark by donovan malero i was
this is the one album in my top 10 that we didn't get a chance to talk about um, on the podcast, but it still ties into the scene because um, Donovan Malero is the lead singer of Hail the Sun, who put out my number four album of the year last year. This album is about the roller coaster that your life can go through after a breakup. Um, and it's put beautifully uh, to Donovan Malero's incredible vocals and honestly really striking lyricism. Um, he's got such a, a powerful and honest delivery uh, and conveys this phenomenal range across the album um, from things like nostalgia on the opening track, uh, the title track, uh, to almost a sensual swagger on a song like Toxin and then desperate hopelessness on the closer, better for the next. In terms of that, like roller coaster after a breakup, uh, it starts at the introduction, uh, which is a title track, Chelsea Park After Dark, um, which is about a relationship ending because the other person uh, needed to cut it off for their own personal reasons. Um, and really feeling like you didn't have closure and instead you're left reminiscing on all the good times you had with that person and how you wish things could have gone differently. Um, and it's this slow, powerful, painful song that immediately transitions into the second track, Hated Seeing You Cry, which in contrast is really upbeat. And instead of trying to blame the other person, you convince yourself that it's your fault and you were never actually meant to love that person and they were never the right person for you in the first place and that you're stupid for ever having trusted them, which then takes you back down the roller coaster on the third track where you're depressed again and you promise that you're going to grow and use this lost relationship to, to better yourself, um, which goes into the next track, Toxin, where you completely disregard all that personal progress and you're now with a girl who's actively cheating on her boyfriend or husband and you know you're the other man and you don't care and it's kind of like a, a, a hurt people hurt people type of thing um, and it's just this constant up and down for the rest of the album this myriad of emotions where you're lost after this breakup and you don't really know what to do with yourself and it so accurately conveys the mixed emotions that you feel after a breakup like that happens and the different ways that you reflect or cope whether they're positive or negative um, and all that comes together on the final two tracks, which are Neon Ocean and Better for the Next. Uh, Neon Ocean is this really beautifully produced up-tempo track that describes a way that it feels impossible to find a plan to overcome all of this on the previous nine tracks and all the emotions that you felt and that roller coaster you've been through. And after all your coping mechanisms have failed and trying to forgive yourself and the other person. But none of that, none of the previous 10 tracks matter, ultimately, in contrast to the closer. Because Better for the Next is, I would say, probably the most heart-wrenching song of the entire year. Um, That's a bold Don claim. I, I don't even think it's close. I think especially Damn. in the context of the album, but even alone, it's these pained, heartbroken lyrics and delivery um, set to a piano, which makes it, you know, even harder to listen to. Um, I want to pull up some lyrics real quick. Um, it, the song itself is about coming to terms with the fact that the relationship is over and you have to take the perspective and that you gained and the lessons that you learned from that pain to be better for yourself and also better for the next person that you're in a relationship with. Verse one from that track, I felt some hope today and tried to see it through. It's not what I'd wanted, but it's the truth. If I could try again, I probably would not. The way I gain perspective could not exist if I did that 
you're kind of saying, hey, today felt hopeless, but ultimately, you know, if I could go back and be in a relationship with this person again, I wouldn't do it because I value the way that my life has changed after getting out of it. Um, and the chorus, only with my self-reflection can I see the error. I guess you weren't the one to ride me out in the end. I ruined every ounce of progress when I saw your message. I felt it happen many times, how time flies, but I'll be better for the next. And the second verse, the tattoos that we share are never going to fade, but the way we felt when we got them will go away. The words I put on paper seem to all come true. Even though you won't be with me, I wish the best for you. Going back into the chorus again, and it's just, oh, painful <laughs> to listen to, especially when you've been through something like that. It's, yeah, this whole album is just an experience and a half to go through, especially after you've been through a breakup like this. And Ultimately, I think that it's such an introspective and honest and compelling album and honestly one that's a little bitter for me. Um, I mentioned it before we got into all this, but that I usually reserve my number 10 album for one that maybe wasn't as good. Like I spent more time with Dark Sun and Rain City Drive self-titled than I did with this one. Um, but I fell out with a friend this year who really hurt me and who I'd been close with for years. And she loved absolutely everything that Donovan Malero was involved with. Um, and so not only does this album remind me of like her and the good times we shared and the pain of like losing her as a friend, but also of the struggles that I had coming out of my previous relationship last year. And it's a really hard listen, but it's too objectively good of an album for me to pass up and not put on my list. So I figured that it needed to have this spot. And after hearing it and of how good an album is, I think it really deserves it. Jacob. Sup guys. I'm change the uh <laughs> the, the vibe in here. Yes. Sir. Change the vibe in here. Um my runner up number twelve goes to villain of the story with divided. What? I feel like all three of these are gonna like <laughs> Damn. um <laughs> Uh, my runner-up number two, or I guess number one actually, is uh, number eleven is Sad Eyes with Monarch. Not get that one, folks. Off to a good start. <laughs> and this is probably the weirdest one of the three. Uh, number ten, changing the vibe completely from Derek's uh, number ten. We have Electric Cowboy with Techno. I fucking knew it the moment you said that we're changing the vibe entirely. <laughs> I fucking knew it. It's why like the just, complete opposite. Why did we just go 0 for 3? <laughs> um, so the baseline understanding I have is that you really enjoy We Got the Moves. I really enjoyed the whole album, actually. I really, I, we got the moves is good. I don't even think it's my favorite song. It might be my favorite, like, breakdown, but I, when I, okay, I have to start the preface this. My friend told me that I listen to too much sad music. So I was like, okay, I'm not, I don't listen to only sad music. So I went back and I listened to two albums, this album and Avoid's Cult Mentality that came out this year. And I was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not always listening to sad shit. I can have fun. And this album grew on me so much. And 
it's just so <laughs> stupid. Um, it's totally nonsense. A lot of the lyrics are about partying and raving, and but some of the lyrics are relatable as well. You get like uh, in uh, Techno Train, the vocalist mentioned spaghetti, and I like spaghetti, so <laughs> that's pretty relatable for most also, people. What... <laughs> yeah, unless you don't like pasta, like, uh... <laughs> um... yeah, what, what kind of weirdo wouldn't eat pasta? <laughs> Also, what what other um, what album do you get a breakdown that literally goes? That is true. <laughs> like, what other band does that? That is um, very true. That is very true. Also, the features are great. I think the Conquer Divide one, obviously, we talked about it briefly. I guess I shouldn't mention that if they haven't seen the episode. But the Conquer Divide feature slaps. I also the Finch feature also really grew on me as well, and this album is just fun. Uh, you get like the deathcore breakdown in Hurricane, and literally just so fun to listen to. And think about like I don't even think this is Electric Cowboy at their peak. Like I imagine like the next album. This is this is another thing I've thought about is. Electric Cowboy are on the rise. And this album, well, it's not really, well, it's really fun. It's also, you could like put the singles or you could put the track list in like any order. Like you could put it on shuffle and still listen to it. I think it, the, <laughs> this, this isn't the, this is not their peak. They, are a rising storm or a hurricane. That's a good one. I just made that up on the spot. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't really have much to add. I don't really have lyrics or anything. I could add like, my my religion is rave. That's a good lyric. Um, <laughs> what the fuck? What song? Is, what song is that? Uh, I think it's Spaceman, right? Or Mind Reader. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I have not Spaceman. listened to the songs. I think it's Spaceman. It's Spaceman. Yeah, this it's just fun. And you get a little bit of German in there, which I don't really understand. I didn't bother looking up with the translations, but it's just it's just fun. And I think even if you don't like, uh, maybe maybe if you don't like metal, but yeah, it's just a it's just a really fun album. I know I threw you all all, all you guys off. Say Justin, were you thrown off? Absolutely. I'm not I'm not guessing at all. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> what about my number twelve and eleven, huh? I didn't get to throw you the I think the number eleven was uh guessable for Derek at least. Anyways. We can go to nine now, huh? Back to Jake. Yeah. My number nine album of the year goes to Nyx by Abyss watching me. Let's fucking go. Their check mark for the boys. Check check it off. I'm also keeping a tally of how many albums we talk about, guys. Right now we're at five. <laughs> Surely we don't hit forty. Surely we don't hit forty. So, I don't think we will. 
Spoilers, this is on my list somewhere. Hmm. Not surprised. Um, okay, so if Led by Lanterns is not the most underrated band that we're going to be talking about tonight, it's Abyss watching me. I think that uh, the vocalist is Igor, right? Yes? Correct me on that, e- Justin? Correct, yes. I think that this is a top three vocal performance of the year. His vocals on songs like Spiral, Rope, Monochrome, Inner Beauty, it's unreal. This is the best band you have introduced me to in a long fucking time, Justin. Uh, I can't even name another one, to be honest. This band is incredible and extremely underrated. Uh, I know that you probably have it higher on your list, so I'm going to keep my thoughts a little bit brief. Uh, because ultimately I think that it comes down to an insane vocal performance, some fantastic post-hardcore and even metalcore instrumentation across some songs, and the story that this album tells from the start where it starts very negative, you have Rope sitting right in the middle, uh, with the lyric of, um... You're stuck in a hole, but let me throw you a rope, repeating cycle, but I refuse to let you go. And then the back half of the album is all inspirational and uplifting. Uh, You get the repeating lyrics on Spiral and Like Knives um, with um, all the regrets and feelings. They're cutting you like knives. Um, In Spiral, it's, uh, but I will still be there for you, still be there for you. In Like Knives, it just says still be there for you once. Um, and I think that's just a beautiful way to tie the album back together and with rope sitting perfectly in the middle, uh, amongst the 11 tracks, I don't have as much to say about the rest of the album, uh, spiral rope and monochrome are my top three favorite tracks. And I also need to make it mentioned, uh, that if vertigo is the best thing that Tom Byrne and Valiant Hearts has ever done, it's, uh, the second best thing they've ever done is feature on monochrome. Big shout. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I I don't mean to disappoint you there, Justin. I know you love Valiant Hearts. Uh, Vertigo nah, is the nah. only song that has really stuck with me. But Tom Burns' feature on the last chorus in Monochrome is the SpongeBob Ascension. It is I'm bringing good. that up again. It is just so fucking good. Um, some other lyrics in Monochrome that I really appreciated. Uh, keep in mind that Monochrome follows Rope uh, right after that lyric of "But let me throw you a rope." You get. Um, the noose is getting tight around your neck and every day is the same stuck you're suffocating in your sleep and there's no miracle to come as you're embracing your demise yeah and don't forget, and don't forget whatever it takes for his you know reaching out a hand like reaching out for the rope oh i i i, I did not even look at that song it's yeah. not one of my favorite songs yeah. on the album i and that's why it's only this high for as incredible of a vocal performance as this is as much as i enjoy the album when i'm listening to it if you ask me to tell you anything about losing Prisoner of Honor, See in the Dark, and Not Coming Home Part 5, I can't really tell you much, to be honest. Th- th- I know they're all fantastic tracks, but they do not get stuck in my head in the slightest. And that's what's holding this album back the most for me, is the memorability of some of the deep cuts that this album has to offer. I know it's going to be good when I listen to it, but it's not something that I'm going to want to actively search out. And... The further down this list we go, the less that I can tolerate a flaw like that. So, Nick's by yeah. Abyss watching me. One of the hidden gems of the scene for sure. 
If you're not listening to them, you absolutely should be. I'm sure Justin will go more in depth later on at some point in this episode. Uh, I'm going to pass it on to you, Justin. Is Abyss watching me your next album on this list? Um, it's not, but I got a question for you before you pass it on. Um, when we talked about it on the podcast and I brought up the realization of like the halfway with um, Rope being in the middle, mm -hmm. um, did that change your perception of the album at all? Slightly. I don't think it entirely did because Rope was already like my second favorite track on the album at that point. Uh, but I think it just made it, it made me appreciate Rope even more than I already did. Um, That's good. And I already really appreciated Spiral and Like Knives tying back into each other. So Rope was kind of just like the cherry on top of that story. Um, this album was pretty much in my top 10 from like, not directly after I heard it, but within a few weeks of me having some time to sit on it. This was in my top 10 and never really left. No, if there's one band I got to introduce you to that makes it to the top 10, I'm glad it's a bit watching me. Let's move on to my number nine we got um a theme going on with my number 10 number nine uh fight the fade with their album apothesis adding to italian or apothesitis whatever the fuck you say it this album is really good and honestly, my number 10 and number 9 are kind of interchangeable. Um, I like the standouts more in Fight the Fades album. The opener's really good. Uh, Not Enough was a surprise track. Even though they did the same thing where they dropped singles every time, I made the conscious decision to not listen to the singles as they dropped. And we didn't even talk about some of them when they dropped. Which I, I went into this with that in mind and I was fairly surprised by a couple of them. We've got some of the ones that we've talked about before. Cut and Run, uh, still being one of my favorite Fight the Fade songs ever. Uh, with its very high energetic, electronic feeling. And bringing in the harsher vocals. We've got um, Not Enough, which is a really good opener that brings out the harsh vocals. And uh, kind of this very, very dark atmosphere that I really like. And kind of just almost like gets stalemated by matter of time, where the energy kind of lulls. It doesn't really go anywhere. And then old wounds is um, very re reliant on the not enough uh, dark kind of energy, and it's it's really good. um Barry, um as an interlude into buried is really good. Um, it's not as good as something like a um, Ember's Glow into the color black, but it's still a really good lead-in. Um, Buried is still probably the, the heavier song on this album. is still really good. Um, composure as a closer uh, is really uplifting, very almost high energy and uh, very ex exciting. Um, one of my standouts from from the album um i will say the i don't have too much to say on this album in particular because a lot of the songs that i didn't already mention kind of fall off for me to a point where they're not really memorable at all um where you go i go monster um i, I like the idea of monster words um like a kind of anthemic rock style that slows into a ballad at the end 
lost it all, uh, letting go, stratosphere. Um, those I just I do not remember even going back to this album. So um, overall, uh, it's kind of tail on this album. Cause, uh, it, it's really good. Fight the Fate did a really good job. Um, I would say it's better than In Love, In Hope, and Peace. Um, but I would like to see them uh, not lean into the like release schedule of like releasing a single every time. But hey, bands got to do what they got to do. It was de- definitely a solid album. I it just didn't leave too much of an impact on me. There's, I definitely agree with a lot of what you have to say. There's some really solid songs on the album. Um, not enough, definitely a standout for sure. All right, Derek, here we go. So my number nine album of the year is "The Hell We Create" by Fit for a King. I Jake, think... I told you. I told you. <laughs> did did Jake not know. think this is going to be on here? Nah, that's fucked up. Look, this is the best Fit for a King album. And I will die on that hill. I think that they've finally surpassed Dark Skies. I don't think the path quite did that. And I think Jake would disagree with me there. But this the is... Bells, man, the bells, man. The bells, man. This, to me, is Fit for a King at their best. It's such a perfect amount of cleans and uncleans together to create an album that feels like the metal core that I know and love. It's just catchy chorus after catchy chorus, regardless of whether it's sang or screamed and breakdown after breakdown after breakdown executed flawlessly. Um, And it's the best parts of the sound progression that they achieved on the path combined with a lot of the heaviness that I like from Dark Skies and their older material that I felt was kind of lacking on some tracks of Path, that to me, this feels like what the Path should have been. But having heard that, or having heard this album with the Path and Dark Skies' context, I think the Path is a very necessary stepping stone for them. That if the Path was maybe a sidestep or a step back, this is a leap forward. Ryan Kirby sounds as good as ever on pretty much every track. And I think he's at his absolute best on tracks like Reaching Out and The Hell We Create. Um, Reaching Out especially is just so good. Let me pull up the um, lyrics for that really quickly. That I know it can get easier dealing with the pain, watching through the window as the light begins to fade, reaching out to someone to take it all away. I know it can get easier. I just wish it was today. That delivery on I Wish It Was Today is so good and probably my favorite delivery that he's done on any Fit for a King song ever. My favorite moment instrumentally is definitely the guitar solo on times like this, uh, which has Daniel Gailey doing Daniel Gailey things and giving me kind of like my Phineas fix that I got last year missing out this year. Um, Those who don't know, he's the guitarist for both bands. Um, And it leads into this phenomenal breakdown um, accompanied by the Ghost Inside feature it's so fucking raw. Um, piles of hypocrites climbing to the top, crawl from within to your skin rots with the instrumentation in the background is just mosh city. Um, and then my favorite breakdown is not that. Uh, it's from The Closer, The Hell We Create, which has this incredible buildup at the very end 
uh, culminating in the mosh call of your pride will bury you and the subsequent chant of take a look at what you left behind to end off the album. Uh, it's just such a great closer and a great breakdown. And I think it's got a great message to the album as a whole. Um, I mentioned it back when we reviewed it and really went into it there that I think that I interpret this album largely as an acknowledgement of the terrible state of the world around us um, and that you can't really do anything about it until you overcome your own mental struggles in order to be able to help the people close to you and humanity as a whole. And that the people, oppressors or people in power who feed on their own gluttony and luster power or whatever, that they want to keep you trapped in your own head. And so it's not only this constant struggle within yourself with external forces as well. And uh, it's just such a great album that I know a lot of the members of the band put on Twitter that they said, you know, this has this album more than most of our recent albums has a message to it. And being able to find and interpret that message, even if it's not the one that they intended, really makes this album all the much more special for me and brought it to the point where I never expected Fit for a King to make a comeback from the path in a way that would land them in my top 10. And suddenly I feel like this is just an indisputable top 10 lock, even if it's towards the bottom. Um, like I said, I didn't love the path, but this is one hell of a comeback. And it's a fantastic metalcore album with a great message. And vocally, in terms of instrumentation, the guitar work, the drum work, the bass work, the tuck, all around, I think this album cements Fit for a King as one of the best acts among the more popular prominent metalcore bands in the scene and if the path wasn't exactly what i wanted with this album they're back on track to continue to deliver and there is a world where fit for a king lands in my top five or my album the year spot in future years if they can put something out as good if not better than this yeah i don't know severe lack of bells really <laughs> that is true there weren't a this lot man. of bells on this album <laughs> this man ah, he's, spitting. He's, spitting. he's missing some bells I, I I don't have any uh, problem with you thinking this album's better. That's a very fair opinion. I definitely understand I'm in the minority thinking the path is better. And I'm I willing feel, to accept I'm, that. I'm in the dark skies boat, so, to, so I feel like the next album is for Justin, that means. Fact. <laughs> oh. Ooh. Number nine. Number nine goes to Dayseeker. Their album Dark Sun. Turn around if you can't bear to see the rain that can fall when I'm buried beneath. Can I just get one? Can we guess one oh, Jacob no. album? Wait, you didn't have this? Nope. Did we not? I'm blown away. Nope. Damn. I'm blown. I fumbled the bag. This is also on my list. I was going to say, is anybody else going to speak up? This, this, is, this is also on my list, yes. It was one of my runner-ups. Oh, not on Justin's, really. Or it's in his top three. I can't imagine in his top three. Okay. Oh, that, that throws me off a little if it's not on Justin's. Okay. And we fucked up um, this year. <laughs> uh, Crisis. I feel like this album could be in my top three if the track listing was, different, was ordered differently. and. Agreed. Once you get okay, once you get past those those three um, single tracks, this album is flawless. And th not to say those first three tracks are bad; they just feel oddly placed. And 
yeah, it just it just throws me off a little, and I don't know how I would order it. I don't know how what I would want, but this once you get past those those three tracks, this album is I it's actually flawless, and it's really disappointing that I have to put it at number nine, honestly, because vocally, I think Rory is sounding better than ever and i think the emotion conveyed is something that we did not out of the four of us i feel like i was the least high on sleep talk as like a whole album there's tracks i really love on that album but ultimately i would say uh dreaming is sinking or whatever that album's called i can't even remember the fucking name dreaming um, is sinking waking is rising yes that one got you is the better album and I think this tops it if you cut off those three songs. And the production, the it's literally like Hurtwave and Dayseeker had a baby. And this is such a great tribute to Rory's father. And I think when I think of this album, it reminds me of my my grandfather, honestly. Like that's how I would relate to this. And it's just such a depressing but wholesome at the same time. And oh, I don't even know what to say here. It's <laughs> it, this album gets me emotional, basically. And my favorite song is definitely "Paper Heart." I that song don't is know so why. fucking heartbreaking. <laughs> I honestly don't know why. I feel like it's. I just like the. I feel like I just like the lyric paper heart. It's such a, a yeah. good way to describe. It's such a good way to describe the, the feeling and every song in this album just like flows so well together other than the first three. Um, it's, it's re it really is perfect apart from the beginning. And I don't, I don't really have much more to say. It, it's literally a almost perfect album. Is it my turn for my number eight pick? It, it is. is. And we have talked about eight albums so far. My number eight album of the year goes to Rock Shock by Bloody Wood. We got this one. Very surprised. Check it off. High. You thought this was going to be higher on my list. We no, thought it was a runner-up. Lower. Oh. It's going to be a runner-up that, like, you liked it, but other things are better. But you needed to make mention of it, so it was going to be like number eleven or twelve type of thing. Surprise yeah. So in your top ten. When we were, I was talking about Abyss watching me and how there's four out of eleven songs that really don't do much for me. There's really only one, maybe two songs on here that I'm kind of iffy about, and that's Zanjiro Say and Endurant. Um, otherwise, instrumentally this album is so fucking cool that like the the first few months of this year this album just had a grip on me more than almost anything else Godar and odge are absolutely nuts the grooviness of both of those songs and odge was uh i'm gonna retract myself go listen to the top 10 singles episode i may or may not mention it there uh <laughs> Aj is a fucking incredible song. It runs five minutes, but it does not feel like it. 
you have the flutes, you have all the other Indian instruments that come with Bloody Wood. You have a fantastic vocal delivery from both uh, vocalists here. And really the thing that cements Odge is my favorite song on here is the flute solo into the bridge slash i get it's kind of a bridge where you get both vocalists uh singing the main bridge of um if i kind of sworn i yeah uh kyle ken i will be better than i was back then never say never i was trapped in put it all together as i fought now i'm smashing fate in the shredder man i'm all about the passion you get both of them, you get uh, Rawls singing that, and then you get their harsh vocals. I wish I remembered his name. But he's doing backing uncleans of that part, and it sounds so fucking cool. And then you lead into, after everything that amazed me about Oj, you then get this like little instrumental bridge with like the orchestral female vocal on top of the flute, on top of the chorus, and it's Oj is just a masterpiece of a song. I'm glad I could actually get my thoughts out on that song now, because I think it is just fucking incredible. And then Godar as well. Unbelievable riffs in that song. Um, you also get some very cool lyricism. One of my favorite lyrics of the album uh, comes early in that song of where you at? I don't need no gun. I bring the fire and the fury of the third world sun. And that really sets the tone of the rest of this album. This album is very politically charged, uh, which is not something that I typically associate myself with. But in years past, there have been some albums that like take politically charged stances and i think that they're they just sound really sick grandson probably being the most notable example in 2020 um bloody would kind of following in those footsteps in the message anyway um you get uh in machi basad rise up and get on the attack become the generation to break the camel's back and then donna don is a song about breaking the stigma of sexual assault and like encouraging men to speak up more um and it there's a lot of really cool messages to each song here all about like rising up and taking power from like the corrupt powers that like have control uh in whatever society you live in it's empowering like the lower middle classes like type audience i guess and i think they succeeded in guessing getting that message across um but as cool as all the lyricism is, it really is the instrumentation that carries it for me. It's just so fucking good. Godar, Aj, Machi Basad, Donna Don, um, and Shakale uh, is the closer. Just incredible instrumentation. The last song that I really want to make mention to is what I think is the most emotional song on this album. The longest song on the album, Yod. Um, it's... the. I didn't love this song, and then I watched the music video, and the music video had a lot of dogs, and I could very clearly tell that it was a song about missing someone that had passed away, whether that be a pet or a loved one, like a person in your family or whatnot, or a friend. And you watch that video, and then you start to read the lyrics, and it really starts to hit home, and it is a long song. I do feel like it does run a bit longer than it needs to. But you get lyrics of, do you remember when I said I would love you forever and you thought that it would only last as long as we were together? Um, and the chorus of that song, translated from Indian or Hindi, um, with every breath I still believe even in shoreless seas you're here with me. And it's 
just a beautiful song um i i wish i could go more detail into it but it's other than the very loose connection to how emotional that song is i didn't spend as much time with it i think that bloody wood are one of the most eye-catching bands in metal right now and nobody else is doing it like them and the fact that they're doing it this good is impressive they are carving their own path and they are doing it phenomenally i'm happy that this is on your list because i think it deserves to be somebody needed to talk about it and if there's going to be anybody mm, yeah did, yeah yeah oh it was 100 percent gonna be jake yep justin take it away it's my turn we got my number eight almost didn't make it my list until literally like two weeks ago hmm. we've got palisades with their album reaching hypercritical we took it off why do we keep taking them off <laughs> we're doing really bad this year <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> Bro, this our original one. list is actually like so accurate. Too. It was so good. <laughs> was this the one that Derek was talking about? Where no, no, no. Okay, one. we'll see. Got it, got one's... it. We were literally be four for four if we had our original list for you, Justin. Yeah, that's hilarious because I've only said I've only said three. We suck. Uh, but uh, fucking Palisades. So I was very indifferent on Brandon as a vocalist at the time when my consequences dropped it i it only started to kind of like click with me when better was out was hype i forget if reaching hypercritical was a single as well um but it wasn't until after the album cycle that i kind of went back to like the songs in general because on verseless and on the album um i saved fray i saved sober and i think i saved without you it's kind of like the three songs that immediately kind of stuck out with me. It was like, oh, this is good. This is the Palisades I kind of remember. Which, by the way, instrumentals excel over uh, the previous album. Uh, Palisades, in general, like they know how to do their instrumentals and keep that rock electronic influence. But it wasn't until um, work was kind of slowing down, so I was able to listen to albums. Um, and I gave this a couple of spins because it honestly was sitting in my honorable mentions for so long of this year. And I gave this album a couple of spins because I really wanted to give it another chance. And I finally, I finally took in and appreciated Brandon's vocals. It sucks that he had to leave the band due to a mental health, but it is what it is. And um, I really want to give it up for his voice inflections on some of these songs like um the breakdown or the lead up into the breakdown in sober and um also in reaching hypercritical where it's almost reminiscent of the self-titled album even though it's like a different vocalist you kind of get that same energy and same voice inflection and then his voice works really well for um, the harmonic sounds that Invincible has, and I think Fade Away. Um, he also did really good heavy in Sick of the Attitude, and like uh, a very um, almost 
grungy style. Uh, it was really, really good to listen to. Um, I, I just go on a button here. That vocal delivery of Sick of the Attitude is one of the few things that actually stuck with me from this album. Um, I will say that I haven't talked about it yet, but my takeaway from the album has actually been Your Misery. Um, I've been listening to that on repeat for the last two weeks, and it is it is ingrained in how good it is. Um, I think it's my best, my favorite Office album. I was originally going to say Sober. I'd say my top three would be Your Misery, F- Sober, and Frey. Uh, without you, maybe a close third. But Your Misery has really stuck out with me, and just the the electronic kind of fade in to the song, and then the the lyrics kind of going into um let me get the chorus here yeah your misery is intoxicating open up your wounds and let your fate consume you does the end justify the means to open up your wounds and let your fate consume you let it consume you his voice and the the way he projects um his vocals on that is really really good again it, it sucks that he ended up leaving the band um there's no telling like what affected his mental state because of it. Because um, I would really like to see what they can do on a sophomore album with after this has been out to kind of take in all the the criticism and the critiques of the album. It's up in the air like what the band's going to do next, but you can definitely tell. They've got instrumentals on lock, and there's, there's no difference in instrumentals between now or between from when this album dropped and from their self-titled, it's not even like night and day. There's, it's almost like you're listening to that album again, um, just higher quality, of course. But the only reason this is at number eight is just because um, I couldn't quite still catch on to my consequences, even though that's been out the longest, and I feel like. I feel like the album kind of lulls a little bit. Some of these songs are really better to be replayed separately instead of in the context of an album, which is really weird and not really something that really expect. But I find it better to listen to some of these songs without the album to kind of carry on, because otherwise I think they kind of get lost in the formalities. But that's that's literally the only grip I have of this album. You know, otherwise it nearly didn't make my list and i'm glad i gave it the multiple chances i did this year because uh was definitely the surprise album of my list derek um what were your thoughts on this kind of going back to it it's okay um i feel like my top tracks on it which are without you fray and closure mm-hmm. feel like the dark horse picks because nobody else seems to really be talking with them and i think two well, of them are the yeah, Frey and Without You, I, I really like. Yeah. Honestly, Closure's my favorite song. <laughs> um, which, and it's kind of weird because I think two of them are the least, or two of the lowest songs, or lowest played songs Maybe in the album. Are. So, yeah. Nobody ever really talks about them, so I don't get to hear much about them. But I thought the rest of the album was okay. I think I'll always be more of a, a Mind Games era Palisades guy, mm-hmm. um, especially that being my first introduction. I don't think they've gotten close to that since then but i think that this is the best that palisades have sounded in years and certainly better than more all right it's your turn my number eight album of the year and the second fit for band in my top 10 
Oh. Is Oh What the Future Holds by Fit for an Autopsy. Oh, my. I totally forgot about this album. Well, that's fair because it came out in the second week of January. So, <laughs> this it's really weird the parallels between this, between Fit for an Autopsy and Fit for a King. Because uh, this album is also about the state of the world and how truly fucked up everything is um, on top of struggling in a battle with your own demons. This is going to be, I think, the only, I don't want to say review, but the only album that I talk about where I feel the need to go track to track because there are moments on every track that transcend what I think that any other band is doing in either metalcore or deathcore. Um, Fit for an Autopsy has always been one of those bands that kind of rides that line in the middle. It opens with the title track, Oh, What the Future Holds, uh, which is just one of the most insane openers I've heard all year. And there's a, a small instrumental break after a build with the God that gives always takes away into this fainter, grittier delivery on Oh, What the Future Holds before the real break. It's so fucking good. And the end of the opener ends with, oh, what the future holds, it's worse than you know, which immediately transitions into Pandora, which is an incredible choice um, because that, oh, what the future holds, it's worse than you know, goes directly into a track about how mankind is just actively dooming themselves in real time. Lyrically, I think this album is my favorite of the year and Pandora is the perfect kind of conglomerate of lines that sink deep um there's mosh calls of stand in the eye of the storm all is calm but then comes the killing uh and a world driven by extinction only ends in extinction are just like two ridiculously hard mosh calls and they aren't even the best ones on the album um and there's other lines in this track like wet work on the wasteland whitewashing the rubble it's too uh, it's never too many graves it's always not enough shovels about how humanity and people in power will find excuses in what they've ruined and blame those instead of actually trying to fix anything. And then there's another set of lyricism here. Turbine shriek and smokestack sermons, true call to nature, the mortal burden, the mother sleeps in the blood of the future, the dead defined you, now death will find you. Is like, just, oh, I love it so much. Um, and that leads into Far From Heaven, which starts off with uh, the vocalist, uh, Joe Badalato. He doesn't have, he doesn't do cleans very often, but it starts off with very rare cleans. Um, and a one minute, 18 second intro that culminates into this call out of a coffin encasing our uncounted blessings and it burns until the sky turns black. Dude, the, delivery, just, the delivery on that, on black. Oh, it's that, so that's good, like the man. Memory I, that's like the one distinct memory I have of this album. <laughs> yeah. It's just one of the bounciest, catchiest riffs of the year after black. And, oh, and there's this ending breakdown on the same track that's set off with a distant call of an infinite expanse of pine boxes illuminate the sky. And the best comparison I have to that is that it's similar to that one moment in that architect song where Sam Carter sounds far away, but it's executed 10 times better. Um, then there's the next track, In Shadows, which is just overall weaker than the previous three, but has one of my favorite moments on the entire album with the outro of How Did They Find Me? Oh, I Let Them In, 
about your own like personal demons into a breakdown that just repeats four faces of my abyss suffer grow become end that gets delivered along these increasingly kind of frantic instrumentals that it's like a descent into hopelessness which is then you get two towers which is my least favorite track on the album and just also objectively the best one um not only does the name remind me of the lord of the rings movie with the same title but a lot like the movie the song itself is a sonic and lyrical adventure with different pacing and different styles and this incredible imagery and will putney one of their guitarists he also produced this album and it's his production at the finest on this track uh, and it fades out into a higher level of hate which has as far as i'm concerned the best riff of the entire year and it just floored me the first time i've heard it like top three maybe top five musical moments of the year um and his cadence on the verses of the song with the delivery is just impressive and the pit opener of a breakdown led off the mosh call of refine eliminate and the mid breakdown call of gears turn through the bone they don't all go quiet but they all fucking go it's pinnacle metalcore it's metalcore at its finest and then there's collateral damage after that after all of the good shit that i've been talking about this whole time um which goes to hold on um it's one of the more instrumentally impressive songs on the album uh pat sheridan will putney and tim halley this band has three guitarists by the way um and they're all at their finest on collateral damage there's this kind of lead that comes in in the last minute it's just um and then there after that is savages which i think is one of the lyrical pinnacles of the album and certainly the greatest example of mankind failing itself um let me find it real quick uh can you feel the venom in the skin dying inside dying inside suck it back out spit it back in keep it alive keep it alive cave in the vultures will win fuck it i tried fuck it i tried the great feast for the last self-suicide um and all that followed by uh the mosh call eat your fill no desire but to starve the kill it burns a hole in the hollow soul you fucking gluttons let that sink into your fucking skull I'm just like, you know, like it's the first time listening to this album was just moment after moment where I was like, these guys are the best band to ever do it. Um, And then there's Conditional Healing, which I think is probably the best on the album lyrically on top of Savages Um, and breakdown wise too, with the way the mosh call for this one ties into the rest of the album and the rest of the song too. Um, This one is about Big Pharma. And the way that they and the government push like drug-based solutions on people rather than fixing systematic problems like, oh, you're depressed because of this. Instead of fixing that problem, we're going to feed you antidepressants type of thing. Um, And how people are dying from overdoses and nobody seems to really give a shit. And we just treat drug users like criminals Um, with the hook on this is heal me with what kills me type of thing that, oh, you've got a problem. Here's this drug that'll fix your problem, but it's really killing you um shamans or shamans breed slavery chained to the gurney overdosed a blaze of glory licking the wound of dependency uh systematic heaven dispensed automated addict rejector sharpened syringe orgasm injector 30 milligrams of violence stand for a moment of silence eighty-one thousand times a light died with the best mosh call of the year how many mothers have to bury their sons you sick motherfucker is like ugh. There is yeah, that's, no that's kind of this year. That's kind of that's like, kind of. <laughs> <cool, right? laughs> 
Um, and it leads into this like 45 second breakdown that fades out with the song. Tell me how to make the room stop spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning. Um, which is the last song before the closer, which is flawless too, as far as I'm concerned. It opens softly with more cleans into this build with let them in, let them stay, make me the man that I was not. And it all just breaks into the six minute desperate drowning cacophony of sound wavering instrumentals that it sounds up and down like a breaking mental state. Um, and there's lyrical callbacks to other songs in the album, the closer as well, different points. It's just, look, if you want to call it deathcore, Fit for an Autopsy put out the best deathcore album of the year. If you want to call it metalcore, Fit for an Autopsy put out a top three metalcore album of the year. And it's just unreal stuff from a band that, while I enjoyed them before, they put out something for the first time for me that feels like the perfect cohesive package with plenty to say in the album and even more left unsaid. I just, I've, this was my album of the year for a while going into the start of the year and obviously it ended up at number eight so you know it didn't make it quite as high but yeah i was gonna say the fact that an album that you love this much is only number eight says a lot about everything that's coming up i think for me what it is is that this album is definitely an experience and a lot of the songs don't stand up as like playlistable you know on their own and so i have to sit down and listen to this album bar a few tracks like pandora far from heaven um and a higher level of hate that I need to sit down and experience this album as a whole. And I had to really be in the mood for it because with the lyricism, it is a lot. And so I didn't spend as much time with it this year as I wanted. That's the only reason it's this low because in terms of like objective albums on this list or in my top 10, I would say it's probably objectively the second or third best album on here. Jacob. Well, well, sirs. Yes, sir. Where are we at? Number eight. Number eight. Nine, number eight goes to Memphis Mayfire and their album Remade in Misery. We got this one. We did get this one. <laughs> Finally, our first Jacob success. I got that one and I wasn't even guessing. <laughs> sure you did, Justin. Sure. <laughs> Let's not talk about how I was almost trying to argue this one off the list, okay? <laughs> I think this is the best generic metalcore record we have gotten since Dead Weight by Wage War. I'm tempted to agree. Tempted to agree. I feel like I can't make that really quickly because Deadweight came out like five, six years ago. There's a lot of generic metalcore albums that have come out <laughs> since then. <laughs> I, I honestly can't think of another. Like, uh, this yeah. album, this, I, I thought I wouldn't enjoy this album as much as I did because it was released single, 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 single. Um, and to my surprise, not only did it get better but all the singles i didn't like became some of my favorite songs like (laughs) like like left for dead i did not like on release and when i heard it in the album again i was like this is my favorite song and it is my favorite song on the album um me with somebody sitting at my top two off the album (laughs) (laughs) uh another example of that is your turn and there's another one. I think it's make believe. 
No, Maple Leaf was good actually as a single. Um, it might be somebody. Anyways, this album is very generic, but it gives me exactly what I want in a generic metalcore album. And I think, besides the American Dream, which I think still doesn't fit on this album, this album seems to be about cutting toxic people out of your life or toxic, um, dealing with toxic relationships and the aftermath of that and dealing with those negative emotions that the person caused you and the, the, like the duality of like missing this person, but also realizing that they were not good for you in, in the long run. And for lack of a better word, being remade in misery. Sometimes the lyricism doesn't always hit. And I think that's why this album is not as high as I would like it to be. But a lot of the time, it still does hit the lyricism. And this year, 2022 has been a year where I had to cut some toxic people out of my life and it's hard and this album released in a time where I needed it and this album really helped me along the way and it really it also just sounds great like every song has moments that I can appreciate, like, I can appreciate a lot of the mosh calls, a lot of the breakdowns, a lot of the choruses, a lot of the, some of the emotion in songs like The Fight Within, or even Misery. And I think the feature from AJ AJ Channer slaps as well. It's such a weird combination, because... Memphis May Fire, and I think it's Fire from the Gods, right? Yeah. yeah. Lyrically, are very different bands. And... That's, I would say that's an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> it's so interesting to come, for them to come together on a song, and maybe that's it what works it is. so well. They're ideologically on two sides of the spectrum. Yeah. So they're coming together to, to solve... Every issue that America has. <laughs> Pack it up, guys. Racism is no more. Maddie Mullins has collabed with Fire from the Gods. <laughs> oh. Memphis may fire from the gods. That's the new name. Yo, wait, hold on. That needs to be a tour. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't have, like, specific moments that I want to highlight or specific lyrics, I think left for dead, especially the, the breakdown line, the pre breakdown line, uh, they'll never know you're a skeleton without a spine. And then it goes no spine. Um, very relatable. That is probably my favorite moment on the album. And I don't think there's much else to add. I I could get to lyrics, but I'm not going to. We've got a lot more albums to talk about, so yes, I we feel do. like we we probably should start speeding this up so we can actually spend more time with our favorite like top three albums of the year. Yes, sir. 
So does that take it back to me then for my number seven pick? Are you good? All right. My number seven album of the year is Dark Sun by Dayseeker. Our first overlap. Our first overlap, yeah. Uh, I'm going to start by saying that at this point, my 8 to 10 were all kind of somewhat interchangeable. My 1 to 7 all feel incredibly locked into the exact position that they're in. For some reason, I've convinced myself that none of these other albums can even move one spot up or down. I don't know how I fucking did it, but I did. So why Jealous. is Dark Sun at number seven? Well, it's Dayseeker. It's not as good as Sleep Talk, but it's still an incredible album. I think that Dream State and Neon Grave do a fantastic job of opening up the album. While they are a bit misleading in how heavy they are, I almost think it makes sense in like when death is coming you're almost fearing it so much and there's so much anger building up that it's all going to end. But then once it ends and you get to homesick, midnight, eternal dark sun and everything really mellows down, that kind of represents like the grief and the after death phase. Um, and like trying to process the grief and trauma that comes with experiencing the death of a loved one. Um, I think dream state is a fantastic opener. As I said, um, I, I might have been speaking a little too fast saying it's better than drunk, but I don't think it's far off. Um, the lyrics of, well, how do I live in a dream stake when nothing is real when I'm awake just sets the tone for the album so well. And just the unwillingness to want to accept reality and slowly as the album processes, you start to process and accept the death of in this case rory is speaking about his father who passed away neon grave is my favorite track on this album borderline top 10 song of the year it's in my top 15 um did not get to talk about it in the top singles episode but i think that song is absolutely fantastic it is a perfect representation of the album art and the neon grave and all the colors that come with the very like the pink and blues of the album art um, and the idea of the dark sun uh, in the album as well, the dark sun, if the sun brings light and life, the dark sun brings the opposite in death, which I think, I really think that's a cool metaphor tie into the, all the themes of this album. And I think once you get past the opening three songs that were a bit misleading to what the rest of the album has to offer, the pacing and flow of the rest of this album is just fantastic. Midnight Eternal into Dark Sun is a fantastic transition. Quicksand is my least favorite song on this album. I think it's very underwhelming and forgettable. But then the ending streak of Paper Heart, Crying While You're Dancing, Parallel, and Afterglow is the saddest thing I've heard this year that is not Misery Loves Company by Letter Sent Home. And, like, lyrics from Paper Heart and crying while you're dancing is just self-explanatory you don't even need to listen to that song to know you're gonna be crying while you're dancing um the the real the one that always gets to me though is parallel um where it says uh i guess heaven really needed you to leave us in that vacant room 
a different you that's doing well, a universe weighed parallel. A hundred things that I could lose, not one of them could lead to you. A different version of yourself, a universe weighed parallel. And the piano and just the very mellow tone of that song is just gut-wrenching, dude. It's it's an emotional song, and there's songs like that that are sometimes hard to listen to, but it's so captivating that it was one of the songs I went back to the most when this album came out. The only song that I went back to more of the non-singles was the closer in Hazel's song, Afterglow. Um, it's oh, it's such a good closer. It's not my favorite closer of the year. We'll be getting to that later. But after so many sad songs in a row and so many mellow songs, it's the first tie-in to the opening of this album. It's the first song where you get some heavier guitars and more prominent drums and it shows that hope of like life moves on and Rory realizing that his father might be gone, but you have your daughter, Hazel, and the lyric of um, I'm on the road missing milestones, counting days till I'm coming home. No matter how far you may run, you're still the greatest thing I've ever done. Just it's such a necessary positive spin and recognition of processing all the grief and trauma the rest of this album has to offer if the album ended on parallel i it's not nearly as high i think afterglow does such an incredible job of tying all of the concepts and themes and lyrics of this album together ultimately why is it here it doesn't peak as high as the rest of the albums in front of it and it also there are a couple of tracks that do feel a bit underwhelming primarily just quicksand in this case but god this album is incredible it's one of those albums you really need to give a few chances to really appreciate all us quicksand enjoyers are weeping yeah yeah sounds like a you problem though uh justin you're number seven speaking of me a you problem um i guess i have to be the one to rip off the band-aid my number seven bad omens the death of peace of mind Why is this even in your top 10? Oh my I god. swear to god. <laughs> what the fuck? I called this three hours ago and no one believed me. <laughs> Jacob didn't believe uh, me. I didn't ask Derek. Wait. I gotta know, Justin. Did this come into your top 10? It was not affected by After. Oh my god. Uh, did, this is the biggest surprise so far. Man, I love fucking with these guys. It's great. This is why I love talking about that list. Um, so I have a feeling, for some reason, this is on at least multiple people's lists. <laughs> it's an okay album. Yeah. All right, all right. So to 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 savor the moment, because I I know at least some people are going to be talking about this. <laughs> For, for no apparent reason um i'm gonna get my thoughts out of the way it's not it's not gonna be anything too um in depth uh, nothing too concrete right no nothing too con concrete no, <laughs> I, i've got nowhere to go really i don't know um so as, as far as this album goes um 
Bad Omens was kind of a band that I just really kind of knew existed. I really didn't like get into them. Um, oh, this was even way before they blew up on TikTok. Yeah, whatever. Um, some of the songs specifically, never know. Always somehow found a way into like one of my daily mixes. Um, so I would always listen to it. I was a fan of it. Um, when this album dropped, um, because we talked about it on the podcast, I listened to it just to kind of be able to give my thoughts and whatnot. And honestly, I wasn't feeling some of the singles when they came out. Um, I really jumped on the gray uh, for clear reason. It's easily one of like one of the easier <laughs> the receipts. It's honestly like one of the easier songs to get into if you're not like directly involved in this band. Um, but when the album dropped, I, I gave it a couple of listens, and man, I I appreciated the album and the band more and more when it dropped. Uh, some of my favorites would be Like a Villain, Take Me First, um, Concrete Jungle, and Death of Peace of the Mind sometimes, maybe not. Um, Nowhere to Go is pretty good. And you may have noticed, I named probably the first half of the album. That's it. <laughs> the second half of the album from Who Are You downward, I don't really care for. It's, I think it's too long. I think you shave off some of the songs, and this album honestly would have been top five album of the year for me. But it, it kind of loses me around um, somebody else, and it sucks because um, I really wanted to give this this band uh, the attention they needed, and um, just for me and what I generally listen to, it's it's not something I could spend more than just half the album, but. What I do like and what I do enjoy, man, the, the band's got talent. It's very clear to see with um, their over 2.8 million monthly listeners. But I'd be willing to bet a couple hundred thousand of those are just, just pretend enjoyers. Oh, absolutely. But that's where I stand. Again, I have a feeling that we may be talking about this later today. I don't know why. So, That's pretty far-fetched as far as I'm it's concerned. It's very far-fetched. So I'm just going to pass the torch on to Derek. I think this next one might be coming a little earlier than maybe anticipated. We'll see. My number seven album of the year is Fuck Everything and Run by Stand Atlantic. Check it off, Jake. Check it off. Check it off. I feel like this wasn't a surprise, but this was in my top five until half an hour before we started the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the crisis. The crisis strikes back. I don't think that there is a single scene that improves on itself more rapidly than the Australian music scene. Polaris with confidence, Stand Atlantic, Wait, and so many others. What? I didn't know Stand Atlantic was Australian. Yeah. What the <laughs> fuck? I thought they were American. Where all the good water comes from. Bro, it's <laughs> like, I thought Arrow was from Alabama. Just, Jacob thinks Stand Atlantic are from 
probably America. California or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> remember yeah. me thinking Alpha Wolf was EU? <laughs> I did not remember that one. Well, that's a good one, too. Yeah. So hold on. Wait, wait. Everybody <laughs> else commented. Is this not on anybody else's top 10? No. Maybe. <laughs> okay. So Jake said nothing about Memphis Mayfire and Stand Atlantic. Write that down. We've got his top three. That almost, uh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> That's so accurate. <laughs> Polaris with confidence in Stand Atlantic and so many others in the Australian metal. Or, well, I say metal scene, but you know. They get exponentially better. With, yeah, alternative scene. They get so much better with each and every album. This ranks lower than Pink Atlantic. Pink Atlantic. Pink Elephant did. <laughs> Pink Atlantic. That, Pink Atlantic. Yeah. That's the album. Yeah. Bro. <laughs> no, I, I, I thought it was Pink Pacific. Hold up. Fuck! <laughs> Pink Elephant took my number four album of 2020. And I think that even though this is my number seven of this year, this album clears Pink Elephant and it's not even close. They keep their trademark quirkiness on songs like Cabin Fever and Hair Out and then mature their sound and lyrics on songs like Blood Clot and EXO. And never once across this entire album really lose the bouncy fun that makes Stand Atlantic Stand Atlantic. There's the experimentation on songs like Cabin Fever and XO, and then a surprising heaviness on aspects of Cabin Fever too, and songs like Molotov. And there's a classic Stan Atlantic feel on songs like Van Gogh and Dumb. Uh, shout out the Tom the Mailman feature, by the way. And quite frankly, the Royal and the Serpent feature too, both very good features. And Doomsday too has just this classic pop punk, you know, OG Stan Atlantic feel back from 2017, 2018. This album has every era of Sand Atlantic on it and a glimpse into their future too, which is just so bright given the improvement across albums. I mean, it's just such an insane upward trajectory. Um, I feel like I find a new favorite track every time I listen to this because it started with Hair Out and Switchblade being top 10 songs of the year and clear frontrunners and Death Wish was a top 10 song of last year. And now it's not even in my five favorites on the album because with you know Hair Out and Switchblade and Death Wish and all that, with all the time I've spent with it, my top three songs in this order are EXO, Nails from the Back, and Hair Out. And Hair Out is only taking number three by a very, very small margin. It's just so much fun. And I couldn't put it any higher after looking at the rest of the albums on my list because I think that as an album, it's good, but it lacks a lot of cohesion in the sense that at times it feels less like an album and more like a collection of 14 really incredible songs. And it's because of one of this album's greatest strengths, which is that there's only three songs longer than three minutes. And even those songs are barely over three minutes and every track packs so much fun and catchiness into a small package that it's, it's both quality and quantity throughout the album. Um, and in contrast to Fit for an Autopsy, the playlist ability, which I guess I need to trademark as a term, of every single track is both what got it here and also what gatekeeps it from being any higher. Because again, it's 14 really good songs I will never ever skip when they go in my playlist, besides what well, I wonder what kind of garlic bread they eat at Mensa, which is a great closer, by the way, very on brand for Stand Atlantic. It's just if there was a little more thematic cohesion or sonic cohesion throughout this this would be much higher on my list top five top three territory but this is still stand atlantic's best album far and away and has some of the best songs they've put out period and if they keep improving like this the sky's the limit for them and i'm so excited for whatever the next album has to be yeah i don't really have too much to add really uh jacob you want to take away this next album um 
Yeah, I'm sad we're not talking about Pink Atlantic anymore, but... <laughs> what are we on, seven? Seven. Number seven. Number seven goes to an album that some people had in their runner-ups. goes to Rain City Drive with their t- album, Rain City Drive. Stop running through my head. She's coming back for more. She gets me out of bed just to lay me on the floor. Go crazy about you, babe. But I'm fucked up enough for the boss. Nobody's saying anything. I forget. It's expected. Did, did we all three have it in our runner-ups? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> wait. Re- gee, wait a minute. Not me and Derek did. I'm trying to piece together Jake's top ten. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, hey, Discord wasn't picking up my mic there. I was laughing. I'll have you know? <laughs> uh, I'm confused, but that's okay because this album I had it in my number three at one point earlier today. Um, the Crisis Strikes Back Part Two. Yes, I had it in my number three, but. After much deliberation, I have decided that Matt McAndrew is too good to release the same album twice. And <laughs> this is why it has dropped. Anyways, this album is very similar to the last one. But, and the last one being to Better Days, sorry. Not the last album I talked about. Anyways, it is very similar to, to Better Days and... Or, but I think it overall, as an as a whole, as an album, it is better. But to better days has better moments and better better tracks, and it and yeah, the reason it's here is because it's too similar to the last album, and I think if since they have Matt McAndrew as their vocalist. I think this band should be expanding on their sound rather than keeping it the same. And we do get glimpses of um, really creative lyricism, notably Eternity. I think... Oh, is that my favorite song? I think so. Uh, Eternity is my favorite song. And Psycho has some lyrics that I want to read because they're fun. And I'm going to read them now. Um, Won't stop running through my head. She's coming back for more. She kicked me out of bed just to lay me on for. Go crazy about you, babe. Cause, but I'm fucked up enough for the both of us. Just a really interesting imagery we're getting here. And this album is very obviously dealing with the same topics as the last one being a breakup or uh a broken relationship and i think like as i said this album as a whole i feel like is better but doesn't have the highs i feel like this album as a whole is better because um a lot of the a lot of songs i want to uh mention blood runs cold eternity ophelia all have references to water or the ocean, and I'm sure there's more in the album, and I think that is a really cool what do you call that? Motif? Motif, that's the word I'm going to use. Um, I think, so yeah, this album flows nicer than 
to better days and i think oh now i'm debating blood runs cold is really good too i'm not gonna choose my favorite song that's (laughs) yeah blood runs cold i'm gonna read some lyrics as well as well um given up but i can't just walk away you're already part of me uh even if our blood runs cold and there's nowhere to go we'd find a way just that idea of a, a relationship ending and not being able to give up that person so easily something i struggled with a lot this year even though i knew it was not good it's just something that really hits home and i really thank this man for this and i don't know what else to say i think that's it sometimes that's all you can say yeah it is um actually i want to mention if you listen to the end of if i was right you can hear i think it's in my left ear the chorus very subtly and i didn't notice this until yesterday i thought it was really cool you can hear the chorus very subtly in your left ear. I think it's your left ear. Could be the other ear. Anyways, it's one of your ears. You all have one of them, right? Yeah. If you have two, well, I hope you have. I feel sorry if you only have one. Um, it is in one of your ears. And I thought that was really weird, but it was also cool at the same time. That is all I will say. All that I'm going to add on to this is that you guys already know my favorite song of this album, and there's a severe lack of talk to a friend on this album, to <laughs> be honest. As I mentioned, the highs onto Better Days are higher. But as a whole, I think this album is better just because of the lyrical themes. And yeah. It's a fair assessment. Brings it back to me for my number six pick. And similar to last year, where I had As Everything Unfolds as my number six pick, it's the one that I felt the worst about. Once again, my number six pick is the one that, if there's any album that is the most robbed of its positioning on the list for me, it is this one. And it goes to Run by Future Palace. Me into this paradise. It off, it off. We got this, but it's lower than I thought it would have been. I thought five or four. So. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be honest. If my list is not the most predicted, something's off. My, my top ten should have been so fucking easy. <laughs> uh, okay, so to begin... Paradise is the opening track of this album, and while it's not an epic opener in the veins of A Pray for Rain, it is probably my favorite album opener since Pray for Rain. Paradise was barely in my top 20 songs of last year at the time of making our awards last year. It is now in my top five songs of last year. Paradise... I have associated more connection to Paradise than any other song that is released this year. And it comes down to the lyricism. When Paradise released late last year, 
I didn't have enough time to process the lyricism of the song, and there's so much of it that I relate to that it's almost scary, and I wish I could run away from it, pun intended. Pre-chorus, I'm a stone-cold soul dancing on my own to feel the burn inside my bones. Uh, many nights spent alone listening to music trying to feel something was a very common occurrence during my last semester of college and even throughout the rest of this year. I feel like the rain dripping away, dripping away. I run from this pain. I can't escape. I can't. Why can't I find a place to hide a hopeful dream of a future paradise? Again, it's something that's been chasing me for years. It's like going back to 2018, one of my favorite lyrics that has still stuck with me to this day is Running From My Shadow by Grandson and Mike Shinoda. And all these years later, it's still something that I'm trying to run away from. It's a side of myself that I want to detach from, but have struggled so fucking much. And Paradise is just the most recent modern example of a song that represents that message. And I haven't even mentioned the most meaningful lyric that means the most to me yet. And it's the breakdown of the song, which, by the way... Uh, for those unaware, Future Palace went from a very cool post-hardcore band to s that just kind of like, uh, fuck it, I guess we're metalcore now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so the breakdown of Paradise. Will I finally find my happiness, recover from all that is past? Tell me, is it worth it to survive until I reach my future paradise? And the first two lines of that in particular of will I finally find my happiness, recover from all that has passed? Yeah, God, I win. <laughs> In another world, Paradise is not the lead single of this album, and it's my lyric of the year. Uncontested. Unless Letters Sent Home also released a month later, and then I'm in a fucking crisis. <laughs> but, <laughs> God, I could go on and on about how much Paradise means to me at this point, and how much that song has grown on me, and it is the biggest factor why the album is even as high as it is and then we get three other absolutely incredible songs my i think it's four of my five favorite songs on this album are the first four songs on here dead inside follows in paradise's footsteps with more incredible lyrics and a melody that is just infectious uh that chorus of delete me out of your memory um is just incredible but there's some one-liners in dead inside that have really stuck with me most notably the pre-chorus of it's scary how quickly we can switch to who we used to be that and... just gave me chills yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh that fucking line if paradise wasn't like one of the most important songs of this last year for me dead inside probably would be in that line um, and that's not even the only line from it it's the only one that i really have written down um but then in Locked, uh, track four, you get another line of nothing seems to work anymore. Um, I'm so locked, I'm so locked, and just feeling trapped. Um, which, honestly, I kind of just realized this. That might be a reference to Escape and the Birdcage album art with the key. And feeling trapped and break free off of that album being like one of my favorite songs off of Escape. God. Oh, I fucking love this band. The a few other things I want to mention, A World in Tears, I wish there was more experimentation like it on this album. 
uh, Maria leading into that EDM influence and vocal delivery on a more experimental track is something that I think this band should absolutely lean into more. Uh, I don't think this album is as strong as Escape, uh, which might come as a surprise, but I am just way too emotionally attached to that album. I want, it was my number three album of 2020, uh, this being my number six. Run is not far behind, let me tell you. It is not far behind. It has clearly had much more success, and I am so happy because this band is so fucking talented. However, at this point, the flaws start to kick in, and I don't think that this album's floor is high enough to place it any higher on my list. And that's why it is at this spot. It's There's songs like Sleep Tight, Roses, and Wounds, particularly, that are good. Sleep Tight has a really memorable chorus. Roses and Wounds are solid songs, too, but ultimately, they don't do much for me. And with how many albums I listened to this year and how many incredible albums I listened to this year, having three songs that kind of don't do too much for me, I, I, I couldn't put it any higher. And it's a shame because I think the peaks of this album are incredible, but I feel like it fumbles at the final steps of just a few underwhelming songs and Fever being a bit more of an underwhelming closer. Having going into this album with Break Free and My Air as like one of my favorite album closers of all time, I had very high expectations for the closer of Run, probably higher expectations than I should have. And while Fever is a great closer, um, there's a line that I really really appreciate in that song of my reflection shows me that i'm useless i almost failed to believe in myself which still shows that like for as much progress as you have made running from your past and trying to break free it still haunts you to an extent and you're never or maybe not never but truly breaking free is going to be extremely difficult and there's always going to be a part that lingers in you even if it's minimal um, but Fever is an uplifting element to end this song. And that's part of what I love about Future Palace. It presents all these ideas of mental health struggles that I resonate with, with a positive spin of hoping to reach that future paradise. And yeah, I have a lot good to say about this album, but unfortunately there's a couple songs on here that just aren't doing enough to stack up to what I have above it. All right, Justin, let's hear your number seven. Um, you mean number six, thank you. Oh shit. Just- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I already heard your number seven. I don't want to hear it again. Tell me number six. <laughs> Transition. Alright. You guys ready for a bombshell? Oh god. Oh god. As opposed to bad omens? Like Yeah. That's my scary. Num- my number six. Valiant Hearts with their album Yonder. Bro, what? <laughs> I told you. I told you this wasn't going to be album of the you year. You thought Jacob. it was number two. It's not. All right, but I told it. you it wasn't going to be album of the year. <laughs> Derek grasping at straws right now. <laughs> this is the freest win for you guys. Oh, man. No. Cool. We did get it, but. Yeah, we got at it. What at what cost? At what cost? At what cost? Um. So, 
unapologetically, this is the most I'm going to talk about any one of my albums. Unapologetically. Um, because Valiant Hearts, there's a lot of history. That, Sit back that... and relax, boys. We're going to be here for a while. <laughs> I'm going to try and make it concise because I know we're on a time crunch, but I got a lot to say. Because um, this is my kind of almost like final stint to kind of give people a chance for this saga. So Yonder is the end of uh, the three-person, like a three-album uh, cycle uh, saga of the journey that the person that they're referencing took in Wanderlust. And there's a huge amount of references to not only Wanderlust, but Alaska. Um, Elysium, uh, the opening verse starts with walking through the snow, my footsteps out of show where I've been and where I'll go in the cold of Alaska where the mercury drops below zero or uh, drops below. Referencing the opener to Odyssey, uh, which was titled Alaska. And also referencing the touchdown uh, portion of Make Contact, where uh, Make Contact from Odyssey ended with um, reaching that point um, and uh, reaching the the end, which funnily enough was the end of that album. Elysium is the start of this album. Um, the album has genuine lore and a lot of references that you can just pick apart it for days I, I feel like and still theory craft um one of the ones i found was that a lot of the uh album tracks are references to mythology um you get elysium Daedalus, um elysium being reference to heaven Daedalus being the uh creator who made the the wings for icarus uh, to try and get to heaven and um elevated being the like a higher entity of sort so speaking of elevated being um it's also apparently an even gellian reference but i didn't quite catch that i don't I know where that. i don't know where tom was coming from for that but whatever the start of elevated being also being the first single uh its first courses i see the progress lay down in front of me where i came from and to the end of this odyssey i hear a voice over yonder it's calling me and never know if it's my mind or it's just a dream. You also get a really good pairing of Supernova and Welcome Oblivion, where um, they tail in from Phaedra, which Phaedra was like this kind of the semblance of like hopelessness or not feeling like you're enough, and like your sacrifices were not worth it. And Supernova is about like surviving and overcoming that, and the welcome oblivion is just the going to the unknown, still trying to get to your journey. But the next step is that the path is not laid out in front of you. I feel like they mastercrafted this album. And I already said so much about the, the uh, title track when we talked about it previously, but um. This album in general is just so, so good. Um, my favorites being, of course, Vertigo, Yonder, Supernova, Welcome Oblivion, Elevated Being. The reason this is so low on my list and not, like, easy top three. I know, need to know. <laughs> is because the rest of the album didn't click with me. So some of the songs I didn't reference. Uh, Forishing is 
Flourishing's good. I honestly feel like that's a reference to Thrive all the way back from Wonderlust. Um, where it's like a seed that's grown and is now like blossomed. Um, it's also written in Latin as it's the Latin spelling, but means flourishing. But you've got probably the two most underwhelming features that Alien Hearts have put out with um, Banshee from Yosh with uh, Survived Said the Prophet and Karma, which is Joey Tyler on that from Varsity, which I feel like was a kind of a missed opportunity with Varsity and what really he can do with his rap and kind of R&B style lyrics. Um, but I think Tom was also trying to meet at his level, so I think it was just kind of a miscomparison. Um, but you also get Wind Waker, which I feel like is the weakest Valiant Heart song. It sucks to say because when I looked at this out, this track list, a, a lot of these track names kind of like stuck out with me. I was like, "Ooh, this sounds interesting. I I want to listen to that." And Wind Waker is one of the ones that stuck out with me. And I've just come to realize I don't like when Tom's harsher vocals are the forefront of the song i like it when it's kind of that more melodic kind of deeper voice inflection that checks out with the post hardcore junkie specifically uh with like the start of vertigo i feel like that is the ideal lyric or um, ideal like vocal delivery that i adore from tom um my favorite songs of Valiant Hearts are with that vocal inflection being like Odyssey, um, Odyssey, Alaska, and Make Contact. And I just feel like I didn't get what I wanted. And I wasn't disappointed in this album because you you saw how much I talked about like the fucking lore behind this album. Like, I, I this album clearly means something as like the end of the road. Um, you also get the chorus of yonder saying why do we walk so close to the edge when we know where it ends don't forget me or the tears that we've shed so far from the start now at peace just apart go without me keep me alive in your heart kind of almost referencing and trying to remember the the saga that they've gone on and remembering the the memories because what's coming up next is going to be different and um, i'm curious to see where this goes because when when this was um being theory crafted tom clearly said that the album was going to be somewhere along the sounds of like medusa and mesmer it makes sense but i hope they kind of stick with the song the sound they got in vertigo which vertigo and elevated being are both the highest played songs off the album for good reason so i hope they stick with that and i'm excited to see where it goes but in terms of Valiant Hearts and where this stands, this is the, I would say, it's tied with Wonderlust as like second, Odyssey being the first. But um, there's still some parts that I feel like could have hit more close to home to me. And that just kind of sucked. But all in all, this, this band, I have fond, fond memories for. And if there's anything that I could say, go. Oh, fucking listen to all three of these albums and it's just i will listen to wonderlust eventually uh-huh it's been on my doc it's been on my doc since 2019 <laughs> i'll believe you this when you guy. listen to it <laughs> um <sighs> that's all that's all i have to say again that's probably gonna be the album i talk about the most 
I feel list. like you with Valiant Hearts is almost like me with Future Palace. Yeah, as soon as you started talking about, as soon as you started talking about Future Palace, and be like, um, this is one of the bands that I'm like most passionate about. I'm like, yeah, I'm like sitting here quiet, like, yep, mm -hmm, yep, yep, <laughs> yep. I feel you, Justin. I feel you. All right, well, uh, you've heard my voice enough. Let's keep Derek. moving on. My number six album of the year is "To Only a Few at First by Royal Coda. Check it off, Jake. Check it off. Yes, sir. <laughs> like, all it takes is for a swan core band to work with Chris Crummett to go from good to incredible. Because Hail the Sun did it, and they landed my number four album last year, and now Royal Coda did it and created a phenomenal album that landed itself in my top ten again. And I honestly think this is even better than Hail the Sun's album. Much like Sand Atlantic, it's just one of those deals where I think the quality of albums this year is much higher than any other year that we've done this, at least for me. This album is the pinnacle of groove and swagger, and I think it's due to Kurt Travis's improved vocal delivery. Um, he sounds better than he ever did, and I feel like he uses the not only the full range of his vocals in terms of light and airy, his normal voice, his raspier side, but also kind of some hip-hop stylistic choices at point, especially on We Slowly Lose Hope for Things to Come, which just narrowly missed my top 10 songs of the year. And on top of that, it's really quite fascinating to me just how diverse Will Swan can make his guitar tones while still keeping that same sort of groove from Dance Gavin Dance and introducing some of those, you know, regular swan core likes you come to expect on songs against like Satiate the Senses and the title track and where the air seemed to cease. Um, and Sergio Medina, his guitar work is equally impressive and it's honestly kind of inspiring. Will Swan has gone on record as saying that Sergio may be a better guitarist than he is. And you believe it by the time you hear this. Um, Joseph Arrington's drum work and time changes are incredible. Stefan Gotcha's impressive bass work is the basis for the success of every other aspect of this music. And there's just this incredible groove that Sergio and Will achieve together that I wish that they were in Dance Gavin Dance together full time because the music that they could create would be limitless. There's the groove on the instrumentals, I think, especially culminates obviously on We Still Lose Hope, but um, the second half of it found a different path has me swaying every time. It's just an experience. And I feel that way for most of the album while I'm listening to it. The opener works perfectly and the closer is somehow even better. And the drum and bass style drumming on Where the Air Seemed to Cease works perfectly. And instrumentally and vocally on the ending, it's got a lot of influence from other projects, like a lot like Birds and Sianvar, which are both projects from a few years back that um, Sianvar had both of Royal Coda's guitarists and their drummer, and a lot like Birds, I believe, was also Kurt Travis. Vocally, instrumentally, lyrically, this album is mesmerizing. And we discussed it when we reviewed it, but I think the best way I could describe this album is psychedelic because it flows perfectly track to track, that like one long back. trip. Yep, it's coming back. Because this album really does feel like a trip with the way that the instruments come across and Kurt Travis's vocals deliver. It's captivating, it's enchanting, and it has a grooviest instrumental work I heard all year without any competition. Um, I also mentioned when we first reviewed this that I found something new to love or appreciate every time I listen to this album, and it's still the case, because listening to this leading up to 
reviewing it here, um, I just, I found a new aspect of any given track or a new favorite track. And I love this album. And Royal Coda has gone from a project that I was kind of interested in passing and would check it out just because of the people in it, you know, that they had to make something incredible like this eventually. And now they've got my full attention and then some. This is Kurt Travis and every other aspect of this band at their best. And I really hope that they stay around for a long time to come. We slowly always hope for things to come is a good song. It's a good song. It cracked your number 100, right? Yes. And I will say that there are a couple of new releases from December that I have added, but I have decided to keep that song at number 100. Let's go. (laughs) I refuse to let that song not be in my best of the year. It's way too good. Jacob. It is my turn for number six, not seven. We're entering scary territory, bro. Don't break my heart here. I'm going to break your heart here. Oh, Uh, God, I know what this is. Number number six is, is Creatures Together by Garden. No. This is also in my top ten. Uh, let me add that up to nobody's surprise. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. This. Uh. How do I? How do I put this? Garden is just the king of lyricism and expressing how I feel all the time. I feel like I'm beating a dead horse saying this, though. Um, no, because we just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like I, every time we every time we, he releases a song, I feel like I say the same shit. But it's just the tone of his delivery and the... I guess the beat helps as well. It's not really what mm. I focus on when I listen to him, though. Um the yeah the tone of his delivery and the lyricism three main things i noted are catchy nostalgic and yeah, the third is the lyricism um i think this album is for example um songs like jet lag uh true colors um eugene Maybe not Eugene, but um, Jet Lag, True Colors, all both are uh, super catchy, and a lot of uh, a lot of songs like even Three Two One. Honestly, it feels nostalgic to me. The 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 morning cartoons mm-hmm. filling the space between daybreak yeah. and mid afternoon. I used to do that shit as a kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah perfect i'm not gonna go too deep into perfect but nostalgia as well geronimo and homebound probably one of the best ways he could have ended off this album um i think geronimo is the best song lyrically and i think homebound sonically might be the best song on this album and top three for sure it's homebound literally is I th- it's about his cat, right? His homebound. As far as I know, yeah, creature. It is so amazing 
the way he just rhymes random shit. Right? <laughs> it does it doesn't even have to make sense. It just sounds so good and it 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 works. The and the the little fills he puts in like in impossible he goes yeah 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 and same in perfect where he goes uh the da, 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 yeah da, 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> um it's like it's literally like pure dopamine injection that's what i put in my notes <laughs> it's all it feels so genuine and it's like i don't need to have lyrics here i can just put whatever i want i can i can just have fun with this and i like that balance of the emotion and the fun it works so well and i think garden has just a way with words i i don't know how else yeah. to put it yeah um the reason this is not on higher on my list any higher is because i feel like the way i see garden is like as a singles artist and i like the album but as a cohesive thing it's not entirely there for me and i would rather listen to some, most of these songs apart from three two one honestly that is the only song I would like to listen to in context of the album. The others I could just put on a playlist and repeat. And that's totally fine. So since this is also on my list and not in my top three, and you've echoed most of what I wanted to say, um, I think I'm just going to go ahead and get my thoughts out now, if that's okay. Mm -hmm. You said it best that I nobody makes music like Garden does. And even if it's not objectively, like subjectively, I feel like nobody makes music that lyrically I feel like I can always connect to. And I think it's just because he's so honest. He has a way mm -hmm. with words. And it just yeah. feels like something that you can relate to. Um, and this got delayed to October from November because he wanted to take two tracks off the album and make it perfect for what he wanted to express as an artist. And I think unintended. that a lot of the, yeah, yeah, unintended fun. Um, a lot of what he wants to convey with it being perfect, the stylistic choices that he makes and those little bits, like you were talking about, even those little ad libs, it feels purposeful. And it feels like every track has purpose and heart and meaning. And the fact that you can pack all that into what's basically what, like a 21 minute album mm. is impressive to me um you've nailed most of my favorite tracks um i wanted to give mention to eugene uh which means a lot to me it reminds me of a friend who i feel like i should have reached out to more uh before he took his own life um and ultimately my favorite moment on the entire album with on the wall uh where he puts that vocal effect on gone forever written on the wall i can hear you screaming things from down the hall if i creep in quietly i'll save us all in the midst of travesty i feel so small which the production on it and the pacing of the beat is so impactful and it's contrasted with the beat immediately almost disappearing and this quiet delivery of the outro which is like stylistically i think the strongest choice on here um I 
I disagree with it being more of like something you want to playlist, but I think that that's also like just because when I found Garden, there were a couple singles out, but I listened to Lacuna a lot and I listened to, oh God, I can't even remember if it's 2018 EP, um, but like Creature Part 1, Creature Part 2, I listened to a lot as like cohesive type of projects um an outsider the ep is what i'm talking about i listen to that one a lot together too so it doesn't bother me quite as much and i think that he's just such an incredible artist to be able to put this much in a 21 minute album that makes me want to listen to it and my my commute to work when this dropped was also like 21 minutes so it was very easy for me to just put this on that's convenient that's um but yeah i i loved this album and i I love the fact that he's putting out singles all the time. New single mm. in eight days, by the way. Yeah. I um, got one earlier this month, too. Yeah. Just the fact that he can put out this much music is incredible. And have it be this consistently good and this relatable is a testament to his artistry. And I'm so happy that we got this album this year, regardless of how you or I consume it. So that brings it back to me to enter the top Jake. five. My number five album of the year is True Power by I Prevail. Check it off. Check it off. (laughs) All right. So why is this album here when I have significantly less to say about it than Future Powers? Well, A, I feel like I had to justify why future palace was low given how much praise i have for this when it comes to true power it's similar to how i feel about eulogies by wolves at the gate in that it's an album that i expected to disappoint but it never did whereas with wolves at the gate it was good but not good enough for top 10 i prevailed did that and took it to 11 and just nailed every single fucking song on this album except for the closer which is such a shame because Stop it right now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say, excluding interludes, Doomed is the only song among my top 10 albums that is not in my playlist. I am just not a man for acoustic closers. I feel like they're overdone. They rarely leave an impact on me. And they, for as emotional as they should be, I'm often left feeling more bored and numb than anything else. It's rare that an acoustic closer ever makes me feel something. There are exceptions to that rule. But outside of Doomed, this album is fucking incredible. There's Fear in Letting Go might be the closest thing to Pray for Rain since Pray for Rain by Polaris. (laughs) (laughs) I say that as like... So I was saying Paradise is probably my favorite intro song since Pray for Rain. But Paradise and Pray for Rain are not even close into like structure. Whereas there's Fear and Letting Go feels like it has that like build energy to it that Pray for Rain has that has captivated me over these years. There's Fear and Letting Go has that exact same energy. And Brian fucking nails that chorus. It's one of the biggest choruses of the entire year. Uh, it's in my top 20 songs of the year. It's my second favorite song on here behind Bad Things. Um, And the album just consistently kept on delivering just songs that I did not want to put down. I would let this song just 
run from start to finish in my playlist because there were so few singles here i basically got to add fake through visceral just in a straight row in my playlist and i i would just let that cycle for like weeks after the album released and i rarely ever got tired of any of it deep end is fantastic judgment day is probably one of the most underwhelming songs on here and i still think that has a lot of redeeming qualities the negative for as short as that song is super memorable brian nails the chorus once again which he kind of just does across the entire album long live the king and visceral have a lot of oomph to them um a lot of energy um fake kind of has more of an electronic kind of like pissed off anthem to it self-destruction is the pissed off anthem of the album and i fucking love it and i'm pretty sure that's actually a lyric from it like you hate yourself and you fucking love it or something on self-destruction uh i still stand by whoever gave uh eric the okay to scream yeah i am the one alpha omega i will be out or, or i won't be outdone just god that line is just so fucking it's perfect for a pissed off anthem it's like yeah i'm the fucking alpha omega let me like pat myself on the chest on the shoulders like six times over because i'm that fucking good at what i do uh, monkey. it's so fucking bad yeah that's what i should have said it's just so fucking badass uh and then i've been saving this one for last kind of fuck what you think you know is my favorite it's not my favorite because there's fear and letting go okay it's my third favorite song behind there's fear and letting go and bad things and that it's not exactly a heavy pissed off anthem but it's a pissed off anthem you ain't just screaming fuck what you think you know without like sounding pissed and it's an anthem for a reason i was dancing around my room throwing my middle finger up to this song for like weeks after this song came it's just it's just so fucking good ultimately like that's kind of just what it comes down to i think the songs on this album are just so fucking good like the whereas with future palace it had a really high highs but a bit lower of a floor let's like lower the ceiling for this album a little bit but the floor goes way the fuck up and that's why this album has landed at my number five spot i just, just want to say to... oh go ahead we guessed future palace five i prevail six damn <laughs> unlucky <laughs> um special shout out to fake the chorus and that's pretty good as i said earlier i think my list is predictable as fuck yeah so, i'm looking uh... at the top four we had left for you and <laughs> i think they're confirmed and also in the right place so <laughs> <laughs> Justin, speaking of people who we have five. no fucking clue what's going on with justin hello <laughs> lorna shore coming in hot at number five that's what i'm here for uh funnily enough we were just talking about it my number five is uh wolves the gate their album eulogies Check it off, check it off. Thank God we got one. Thank God. <laughs> oh, we had that at number six, darn it. Thank you, Justin, for having this in your top five, because I just want to, like, echo some of the things that you're about to say about this incredible album, even though well, it missed my top ten. Yeah, that's totally funny, because I, I generally don't have a lot to say about it. Um, so, Walls of the Gate, I've been following since Eclipse came out, and while I think Eclipse is still the better product, in my opinion, 
I think Wolves of the Gate really leveled up their sound in this. There's a lot of uh, heavier instrumentals that kind of lead away from the like, Christian background that they're kind of de designated around, while still referencing and still kind of treading in that water. You get some really good, uh, just fucking good-sounding songs like Deadweight and Stop the Bleeding there. Uh, lead more into that metalcore kind of heavier rock sound. Um, the breakdown piece that starts to war. You've got eulogies, which is kind of that blending of um, Steve's clean vocals with the harsher. Um, I can't remember the unclean's vocalist, but you get like a really good blending in that. And then um, it's out of sight, might be thing as well, or weight of glory. I don't know. Um, but one of those two also has a really good blending. Um, but you also get like a really good energy song in Lights and Fire, um, which I think is still the best single, in my opinion. Uh, in my opinion, you can sit yeah, down. Yeah, I wholeheartedly disagree with that one, but go on. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the my problem with this album is was I was just not feeling any of the singles for some reason, like. Even even when it came out, Lights and Fire just wasn't doing anything for me. I think the only single that really caught on to me was um, either Stop the Bleeding or um, Peace of Stars to War. Um, but the album itself, like, there's some really good standouts here. Um, my favorites being um, No Tomorrow, Kiss the Wave, um, Embracing Accusation, um, and Special Shout Out to Silent Anthem, which is one of the better closers of the year, in oh, my yeah. opinion. The Kiss the Wave has easily been like the one song that's just constantly in rotation. Um, mainly because I'm a huge like fantasy fan and Kiss the Wave is just like purely like a almost like a ship being struck down and being drug under the depths of the water. I can like visualize like a really good just scene with that, like a ship battle almost. And the this album goes in quite a different ways and it's a very good, very one of the most consistent albums in the year for me. It just falls a little bit flat because I I come from Eclipse, which I still think for me is the better product for something that for someone that likes the lighter tones and sounds. But um, that's the biggest difference between you and I, because I came off of Eclipse very underwhelmed, whereas you came off of it as your album of the year, twenty nineteen or number two behind Valiant Hearts, I think. Right? You you can interplace those Inter in sleep talk. Right, yeah. But like, you came out of their last album a lot higher than I did. Mm -hmm. So, in comparison, like, you were feeling underwhelmed, whereas I was massively impressed with this album. Uh, so I think that contributes a lot to how we both feel about this album. I, before we move on, I need to put some respect on Deadweight as by far my favorite song of theirs. Deadweight is fucking nuts, dude. That breakdown and the chorus are just infectious and i am also just going to echo silent anthem as one of the best closures of the year i don't have a lot to say about kiss the wave i feel like that'd be one that really stuck with you as well now it's really just dead weight and silent anthem uh i will say shadows uh surprised me as an opener and piece that starts the war was a really solid single as well kiss the wave is good just not a standout for me okay i respect it there my number five Album of the Year is Virtual Reality by Dreamwake. Away from the 
There it is. Yo. This is Justin's fault. Look, I'm glad I got two albums that were my fault. <laughs> Damn, we have Abyss, Abyss watching me and fucking Dreamwake. I'm I'm set. I think I I have a third one with Jacob that I know. <laughs> yeah, that one's uh probably coming up next if I had to guess. We'll see. I'm convinced that this band formed with me in mind. They got together <laughs> one day. Wait, 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 wait. Shout out Connecticut. Shout out Connecticut, bro. <laughs> Look, they got together one day, wherever they were at, and they were like, yo, there's this guy. You know that guy who has strokes on that podcast? Yeah, yeah. We need to make music for him. (laughs) Look, I love a good verse chorus, verse chorus breakdown like any other metalcore fan. But I love when metalcore bands add an extra flair, whatever it may be electronic elements guitar solos you know prominent bass lines shout out time evaluator uh saxophone shout out shrezzers and i consider myself lucky every time i find a metalcore song with any of those elements now consider justin showing me a nine track album that has at least three of those four things on every single track i think that they should have just put like to Derek with love on the cover <laughs> and then like mailed me a copy. It's virtual Derekality. It's virtual Derekality, bro. Like, <laughs> Neon has grown on me so much as an opener and it feels like a very non-traditional opener, but it gives the listener a taste of all the elements that are yet to come. And the album just speeds up from there and never hits the brakes. There are songs that uh, quite frankly, I think that instrumentally, this album has three facets to it. And the instrumentation is the second strongest feature on here. And even the songs that don't shine as much instrumentally, uh, Elixir comes to mind, make up with it in spades with vocal melodies. I mean, it's just insane to me how well the chorus on songs like that and on Lucid get delivered. It's like every time that I'm floored by the instruments, there's always like good verses and chorus. And every time there's good instrumentation, I'm floored by the chorus. Like everything on here in some respect is perfect. The so- guitar solos on Luna and Knight Rider and Lucid are delicious and everything that I want. And the lead guitar across this entire album is insane. The drumming is phenomenal. The bass is so prominent. That's all I want from every metalcore band ever is just make the bass audible. And by God, it's it shines on here. Um, the saxophone all across the album comes in at exactly the right time every time. It never, never ugh, overstays its welcome, but I think it would be very hard to because it just works so well here. My favorite moment on here goes to Ethereal, which is this 40 sec, uh, 46 second seamless flawless interlude between paradise and the closer lucid i mean the first time that i listened to it i didn't i had my maps up and like i was listening to it in my car and i had my maps up and i didn't realize the song's a transition because it just works so perfectly and um speaking of lucid i guess the change in the guitar tone and the pacing on the chorus has phenomenal closer energy and it's just an incredible closer on an album that with nine tracks, I wouldn't expect it to open and close so well, but it does just incredibly. Um, and all of that is compounded with the fact that this album has the absolute best mixing I have ever heard on any album ever. 
the fact that there is so much going on between the synth, the normal instruments that you would expect, the saxophone, the cleans, the uncleans, and it's all so clear and pronounced. This is self-produced. It's self-mixed, self-produced. And whoever in the band is doing it needs to start doing it for every other band that has ever existed because music would be so much better off for it. I think that I am willing to declare Dreamwake as the strongest and most talented group of musicians that I have ever heard, even more so than a group or a super group like Royal Coda that I was talking about before, or even Dance Gavin Dance, which you know is high praise for me. Okay, like these guys. That's incredibly high praise. I. The only thing keeping this from being higher on my list is that the lyrics aren't really anywhere online. So it's hard for me to piece things together sometimes. Mm. And it's also only a nine track album, which I know hasn't stopped me from putting something like Bill Murray in my top 10 before. But in a year where everything was so contentious, I couldn't put it any higher because the albums ahead of it meant more to me. And I feel like this album may be missing a track. And honestly, this album could be 20 tracks and I would love it because it would just be 20 tracks of the most perfect metalcore to ever grace the earth. But in terms of something a little more cohesive, as much as I love Paradise Ethereal Musa coming together and everything, I just wish there was something a little more to elevate it up to something where it could be in my number four spot or even make it to my top three. But the fact that this band is this strong out of the gate, I think this is they had an EP before this, but this is a debut album. 2023 2024 i will support this band in anything and everything that they do because they need to make music for as long as i live or i'm gonna be sad like if i don't get new dream <laughs> material every couple of years like metalcore is dead as far as i'm concerned like, i think it's crazy because i saw this band live before they ever released their debut ep they opened for slaves in 2019 just after uh, matt mcandrew joined them and I, I wasn't very impressed with their live performance. I checked out a couple songs on that debut EP, and I wasn't very impressed back then. Uh, but then you, Justin, and Derek f forced me to listen to it, and this is a massive step up from where they were. This oh, band yeah. has a bright future, and I may not, I am not nearly as high on this album as Derek is, but shout out the Connecticut boys. Yeah, this band has 27,000 monthly listeners, and they are doing it better than any other metalcore band out there. Well... Most other metalcore bands out there. Mm. Yeah, that's what I wanted to mention, honestly. This band is severely underrated. Ridiculously so. This quality... Next two, Led by Lanterns and Abyss watching me. One of the most <laughs> underrated bands we will talk about in this episode. All right. So, I want to talk about an underrated band. Yes. Knew it. And I think Justin's going to be happy with this choice. I knew it. I'm going to take a sip of my drink. Yes, sir. My number, what number are we on? Five? Five. Five. My number five album is Welcome Home by Varsity. I won't be one of them. There we go. That's one from each of you. Justin, you did good this year. I did it. Hell yeah. Jake said, quote, do you really think he'll have varsity? And I said, yes, this is going to make it. <laughs> I'm actually surprised you got it, honestly, because I, I, that was one of the ones I tried to keep, like, hidden. 
There no, were a couple you absolutely were not keeping it hidden this year. Yeah. <laughs> you I, kept it hidden from me. Luckily, I, I've got two <laughs> friends to uh, one, one of three. Course course. I thought it was going to be closer to 10. I'm really surprised that it's this high, and I'm really excited to hear why. Um, Yeah, so this is like the biggest, biggest grower of the year. Because I... Is this your never tell of the year? No, I never tell. Oh, maybe. It's the it, this is the this is the album. I thought it was I thought it would be unprocessed, but this is the album that Justin, the one album that Justin always shows me. First being Eminence, next being Noya. This is the third one. This Ooh, is the Justin. That's Swedish. Album. It has to be a New Yorkan. <laughs> um, this is the perfect blend of pop and post-hardcore. And I went back to the review we did and I I listened to what I said because I wanted to because I wanted to see my initial thoughts mm-hmm. after listening to it once. And I said that I thought this was something like Derek and Caskets where I thought I needed a little bit more. And that little bit more turned out to be just listening to it more. <laughs> the 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 song that literally single-handedly got me to keep listening to this album is Paranoid because that was like the the standout for me. And single-handedly made me fall in love with this album. It like snowballed there's just like lyrically vocally instrumentally it's just literally everything i could literally want it is there there's so many moments like the breakdown in finesse which is not the bridge of the song which i thought was really creative for this this genre usually the breakdown of the song is the bridge and um some songs have breakdowns in the bridge and elsewhere this song had the breakdown in a verse and then a bridge as well which i thought was really interesting and something i've never really seen before it's kind of a different structure of a song um closer has the amazing uh goddamn uh mosh call which has me laughing like every time i hear it because it's so hilarious but it sounds so good at the same time this band i can't think of a band that sounds like this band even like it's like it's like rain city drive but with uncleans i think is the closest i could get but that's not even like a accurate representation you're still like 10 15 minutes away on google maps from getting there (laughs) yeah (laughs) um there uh there's so many moments i would like to highlight i think i gotta highlight paranoid though just because it's the song that single-handedly the chorus is just so catchy uh i won't i won't be one of them twist and bend leave me for dead broken and bruised again let's pretend everyone wins that 
that chorus is what got stuck in my head. And oh, it, it literally just snowballed. Um, Glad to see you're as high on Paranoid. That Yeah, that is my, my favorite song. I think Closer is second. Uh, maybe We Always is third. Towards the end of the album, I think it falls off a little. But maybe that's just because I don't like the the softer stuff. I really, really wish we got that that interview with Joey. <laughs> I feel like this album could be like one or two <laughs> if well, we got that. So early next year, they've got the they've got a new album dropping apparently in early next oh year. My goodness. So and it's another fifth fucking fifteen track album. So there's always next year. There's always next year. Also, I'm gonna mention the part three. Welcome home, part three. All three songs are so good, and I don't remember which one it is. I think it's the goat that is heavy. Oh, it's the goat (laughs) friends is part three. (laughs) It's heavy as fuck. <laughs> and I don't really have much more to say. I think this album was definitely the dark horse for me. It it just cr- kept creeping up my list to and it it deserves its place at number 5. Good pick. It's time to find out if the order for Jake's top four is correct. Yeah, I think this will determine it. My number four album of 2022 is Nocturnal by Mothica. Oh, we get the double check mark. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. <laughs> I'm getting exposed on my own fucking pod. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to be real. Everything I said back in our July recap st- stays true, and I absolutely said everything better then than I'm about to say it. So just go find that clip and listen true. to it. But in summary, this is one of the best concept albums I've ever heard. I love the way that the interludes, uh, one, two, and three, tell the story of this album. And each third of this album kind of talks about a different thing. Um, where Nocturnal and Sensitive and Highlights, that first section kind of focuses more on like the anxiety piece. Um, Casualty and Last Cigarette focus on, focuses a bit on... Uh, I think like the depression and alcoholism uh, that runs in her family, which I was reading when looking at some of the lyrics here. Um, I also think you get touches of it in the last couple of songs like Absinthe and The Reckoning. Um, And then Rem, Bedtime Stories and Lullaby. Obviously, you have that connection to Nocturnal and Sleep. Um, And I think just all the themes of this album are so beautifully intertwined that... It, that's what makes this concept album so successful. You have all the elements of what happens late at night. Um, one of the deluxe tracks, which we're not going to be talking about, but Nothing Good Happens After 2 a.m., which is a heart-wrenching song. It That's kind of like the theme of this album. It's like Nothing Good Happens After 2 a.m. 
Um, some of my favorite lyrics on here, the literal opening words of Nocturnal, the official opening track, because Sleepwalk is kind of just like an interlude opener in a way. The first words you get are, tried self-destruction till I couldn't function. I hurt myself, hated myself. It didn't help me. Tried self-control, tried letting go to heal myself. I went to hell. I hope you know. And I think that just sets up the tone for this album so fucking well that like, it, the good thoughts are not going through the brain late at night. And as much as you want to try and control it, sometimes you just have to reach a state of acceptance, which is what the interludes eventually tell you, the very last interlude three, in the off chance that none of the methods shown in this tape help you fall asleep, you may resort to a state of acceptance. A lot of creatures are nocturnal after all, or something like that. And just the way that you get those little breaks in the story that add to the story, but also don't take away from the flow of the album is such a delicate line that you have to balance. And Mothka executes it perfectly here. Uh, so as I said, all of the thematic stuff, I, I feel like I nailed that in my discussion and review back in July when we discussed this album for the first time. And most of my thoughts have persisted. Uh, the I think the biggest thing that's grown on me uh, is Lullaby, is a song that I thought was originally kind of underwhelming, and the chorus of la, 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 la was just kind of forgettable, but I've come to love that rhythm and the beat uh, and the drop of that song. Um, Absinthe as well is just so fucking like groovy, and there's like a level of swag to it that I love. Um, for some reason, Nocturnal has one of the best breakdowns I've heard all year. And that might be a hot take, but that breakdown at the end of Nocturnal has stuck with me more than a lot of metalcore breakdowns this year. And maybe it's because I wasn't expecting it. Maybe it just fucks. I'm leaning towards it just fucks. Sensitive, one of the first songs that I really connected with. Uh, I don't go out, I stay in bed, overthinking in my head. My fears don't behave- Oh, this is a separate line now. My fears don't behave logically. I'm scared of heights, strange at night, and socially, I'm terrified. Which was basically the anthem of my three and a half years of college up until my last semester this year, where I actually kind of surprised myself and turned things around, thankfully. Um, but Sensitive released early in this year before everything really started to turn around for me, and I- Boy, those lyrics were hitting- those lyrics were fucking hitting. Uh, and that's just kind of what this album comes down to. It's lyrically, there's so much that I can relate to in this album of the thoughts of like anxiety and not necessarily depression, but like the thoughts that happen late at night and you're trying to calm them down, but you're just alone in bed. It, you can't sleep. And it's like, what are you supposed to do when the rest of the world is asleep? And I think the storytelling... I, I said all that needs to be done. I'm not going to repeat myself. I think this album is fantastic. There's a reason that Mothia is my favorite artist that I discovered this year, and this album is art. There was a world where I thought this would be top three. I did. I did. This it. album could be as high as number two in an alternate universe. Either way, this album slaps, and I'm really glad that we're talking about it. Again, it's one. It's like Bloodywood, where it's like I feel like this deserves to be talked about. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad I can. Oh yeah, I I forgot it. to mention. There's a Polyphia feature on here, by the way. Uh, that's the song. Reckoning feature, Polyphia. That song is a fucking trip, and I love it. Anyway, Justin, your number four album. I was about to say I'm giving Jacob a moment to uh, 
unmute because I don't know if he was here or not. I actually, um, I, I, <laughs> I said Justin, and then I was like, oh, I'm muted. My number four is an overlap. We got Abyss watching me with their album Nicks. Let's go. Shine the light even brighter on this band for me, Justin. I was also wrong because I thought this was going to be your album of the year. And Jacob thought the Valley was going to be your album of the year. Dude, I don't know what it is anymore. Which means I think I I have an idea. idea, And I don't know what three and two are. No clue. Wait, let me see the list. Oh, I almost called Derek. <laughs> well, all right, Justin, go well, for it. Sorry. Yeah, while you're examining the list, Jake kind of hit honestly on a lot, like what I wanted to say. So I'm gonna honestly, I just hit on it a little bit too early for your taste. Ah, it's fine. I was basically like, you, you basically mentioned all the songs that I liked. Like, um, I I've already talked ad nauseum of how much I like losing, um, as a track, and then um, Tom Burns' feature Monochrome is spectacular. Honestly, I wasn't feeling too much about Like Knives when the album dropped, um, but they gave it more listening because I think Derek mentioned something about it um, in that discussion. So I went back and listened to it and uh, found more praise for it as it kind of linked back to Spiral. I did not think when I found this band back in like February that one, they'd be dropping an album this year, and two, I would like it as much as I do. Um, honestly, it, it flows so well together. They They have a really good lock on the instrumentals and the atmosphere of the album it's also just a really good concept album of how it's designed and lyrically worded i think it can kind of drags on a little bit with the the two part uh songs prisoner of honor and not coming home but everything else is really really good um whatever it takes having the check the check verse or a bridge um, it's really good. Spiral repeating the chorus um, toward the end, just like almost like the repeating that that endless spiral. Yeah. Um, I also I, think I forgot to mention the reference to like, and the abyss is always watching you as a lyric mm-hmm. in Spiral as well, which is a really cool touch. Really cool touch, like referencing the band name. It's pretty good. Um, there was also um, Kellen Quinn did a. Uh, feature of inner beauty that's not on the album just released as we're talking about the this but i i feel like they added a little bit more to that but i'm kind of glad it's not a part of the album because that just also means um tom burns feature kind of shines more and the totally wild um feature blends in pretty well with whatever it takes um i would say the ones that i needed more time with for rope um like knives and see in the dark um, but everything else was phenomenal. Like um, this, and honestly, my number three are kind of interchangeable. Um, I have a lot of more justifications on why my number three stays where it is and why this is number four. Um, but all in all, man, this this band was a definite surprise. Um, I knew about Igor when um, Valiant Hearts dropped "No Place Like Home." Igor featured on that. Um, I think he was also the uncleaned vocalist in a band called Marina that Tom also uh, did a feature in. But Igor absolutely shines in this band. And I am 
eagerly awaiting the the next new project they drop because this was phenomenal. I don't have much more to add. I gave my thoughts a lot earlier on, and I'm just going to echo anything good you have to say about this album. <laughs> Nyx is incredible. Absolutely. Derek? We can breeze right on through mine. My number four album of the year was Creatures Together by Garden. And if you All skipped... Right. If you skipped uh, earlier in the podcast, uh, Jacob and Derek talked about that album together earlier on. Yes. So, Creatures together, creatures together. Creatures yes, together, so. for sure. All right. This, this pick right here is the most interesting pick of the night for me. Nine number four? Yes. Because it's one of two albums, and I need to know which. Interesting. I don't know what the other one is. I feel like it, it could be my number three. But okay, my number four is Hell Finds You Everywhere by Thousand Below. Wait, hold on. I just you know that, you know that picture of like Mr. Krabs where everything starts spinning. I just had that. <laughs> because now that means that there is an album that is not making your top 12 that I think should be there. And now I'm bothered for you. Continue. I don't know what it is. I'll tell you I later, depending I, on what your number three I is. I feel like, actually, I feel like I know what it is. And, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll talk yeah, about it later. Yeah, we'll see. I um, like that because so. I'm bothered for you. <laughs> <laughs> Hell finds you everywhere. Um, first of all, I get to say that I got to hear this album with two of my best friends for the first time. My bad. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, such a great experience, honestly. Um, more on that in the December recap, maybe. Um, yeah. It's been so fun to watch this band grow as I've been following. It's one of the bands that I can call my baby, I feel like, because I've been listening to them since the beginning. And I feel like this album takes the best of both previous albums and creates like this fantastic listening experience. It starts with the title track, and the way I interpret this song is a very, it's very complex feeling of like feeling forgotten because you isolate yourself behind and hide behind like this persona where you keep to yourself and pretend that life is all good, but never express emotion to anybody and never expressing your, your true feelings to people, especially loved ones. And basically um, the thoughts eventually overwhelm you and you basically can't, can't run. And basically the song goes, hell finds you everywhere. And I think lyrically, 
It's the second best song on the album. And on top of that, you got a Noah Sebastian feature. A rare Noah Sebastian feature. True. And he just sounds so good on this. So does does James. But then then we go into like the three singles, which I'm not going to talk much about because we talked about them on the podcast a lot. And um, we get into probably my favorite song instrumentally, uh, Clockwork Enemy, which... Such a good song. Is super epic. It can I force you to talk about the breakdown? I will talk about the breakdown. Thank you. Um, the I just want to highlight first of all the instruments or when the instruments drop out in the last two lines of the verse, so we it highlights James's vocals, and it just sounds so good. And then you get to the the breakdown and. It literally sounds like he's got an entire orchestra behind him. Um, and of course, you know me. I love my 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 string instruments. So got a little violin in there. So it's on brand. Um, after that, the album kind of slows down, which almost it almost feels like the first half of the album is more the love you let too close. And the second half is more like um, Gone in Your Wake. And I think the um, so, like Silent Season to Blue, Blue Roses Don't Fade are all very reminiscent of Gone in Your Wake. And I think the, the I'm going to call it cult feature. I don't know who, how to pronounce that. I'm going to say it's cult. Um, is a really nice addition. It adds like emo rap, which is something that has been very prominent with in this year for me, especially with like Derek introducing me to Garden. Um, I thought it was very interesting to have on a song, and it works so well too. What are you gonna say, Derek? No, I was just saying, let's go. <laughs> And then we get to the closer, which is basically Sabotage 2.0. Sabotage being one of my favorite songs this year. Um, it's got such beautiful lyricism and emotion. And yeah, I think overall, this is it's kind of like Electric Cowboy, where I think Thousand Below's next album could be game changer. Like you're, you're manifesting the Thousand Below AOTY. I am manifesting the Thousand Below AOTY. This album has all the best parts of their previous sound, and I think it's 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 just inevitable at this point. It's it's coming soon. Like this, they have like 1.3 million streams in like the first week and it's charting on billboard, like top 20. I'm pretty sure. Um, definitely worth buying the, the CD for it. Uh, this is such a cool experience to get the CD early as well. That's another yeah, thing I'll mention. Yeah. Um, apparently we are like one of the first shows to, to get it. So I don't think you really touched on the breakdown of clockwork enemy yet. Oh, but did I not? That, I talked about the orchestra behind him. <laughs> the, the mosh call of I will never feel human again. Mm. 
Oh, that's... It's just raw. Probably my favorite moment on the entire album. Mm, I think my favorite is the breakdown of Hell Finds You Everywhere. And all of Sabotage, honestly. <laughs> yeah, that, that checks out. That checks out. We here at Shade Enjoyers Incorporated. Oh, I should have mentioned Shade. Justin's favorite song is Shade, guys. No, thank you. I'm so glad you mentioned it. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you saying that the first time you heard it. Yeah. Yeah, that was my favorite song. I remember when we listened to that album in the car for the first time when Derek wasn't there. That's going to be like a top. That's got to be a good. That's a good memory of this album, honestly. Yeah. But I remember the moment I heard Clockwork Enemy for the first time, I'm like, bro, oh, that's the one. That's yeah. the one. And it was the one. Beautiful. That brings us to our top three albums of the year. Wowza. Only three hours in. I think there's still some overlaps to be discovered, but uh, as we mentioned earlier, we're only going to be specifically mentioning overlaps if they were outside of our top three. So let's get another one out the way. My number three album of the year is Fear by Stan Atlantic. Darn out of order. It's backwards. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> also known as Fuck Everything and Run, as Derek mentioned earlier. This is my favorite pop-punk album of all time, and it's not particularly close. Doomsday is an unbelievable opener. Van Gogh, catchy as fuck. Dumb, catchy as fuck, and has an amazing feature. Hair Out has one of the grooviest and grittiest guitar riffs of the entire year, for some reason on a pop-punk album. Uh, and just incredible lyricism and silliness and whatever. Death Wish, top 25 song of last year. Nothing more needs to be said. Switchblade was a top 20 song of the year until I booted it down to my top 40 because the song kind of fell off from me, but it still fucks. And then you get a bit of a weaker stretch of songs in Nails from the Back, Blood Clot, Don't Talk to Me, and XO. I'll kill you. Which, like, they're all good songs. Wow. But like, <laughs> sorry, I let the intrusive thoughts win. It's my bad. <laughs> but like, when you're following up Hair Out, Death Witch, and Switchblade, which are all like top twenty songs of the past two years, until I kind of fell off on Switchblade a bit. But like, if we're if we're talking Spotify Wrapped, all three of those songs were in my top twenty of their respective years. It's kind of hard to keep that streak going forever. But then they end off the album with fucking Cabin Fever into Molotov, which is just... <laughs> Cabin <laughs> Fever? <laughs> I said last year there were a couple of songs that made me go holy shit, and I've started declaring them holy shit moments. <laughs> It's I thought I was going to have more of them this year. Cabin Fever was the holy shit moment of 2022 for me. You can go check out the top five songs of the year episode for more. <laughs> but Cabin Fever just blew me the... It just blew me the fuck away from the moment I heard it. It defines 
everything that encapsulates my feelings towards this year. It's like everything that I love about Mothica and the kind of more hip-hop, trap, pop-rock beats infused with metalcore breakdowns infused with stand atlantic being the best pop bunk band that i listen to and just knocking out of the park for the other 10 songs that come before it cabin fever is just a masterpiece as far as i'm concerned and then molotov is also just fucking incredible it's such an energetic way to end this album and just i don't know it's I mean, then you get, I wonder what kind of garlic bread they eat at Mensa. Which is just such a fucking Stand Atlantic way to end this album. And it's just, this is pop punk at its peak, done to near perfection. It's silly, it's goofy, it's real, it hits deep, it's fun, it's replayable, it's catchy, it's groovy, it's memorable, it's just... I don't know. Stand Atlantic are just, they're just the best pop punk band. And I don't think it's very close. Like, I, I don't even really want to go into any of the lyricism or the themes of it, but just because the, the quality of every single song here is so good that in, it's so fun and so replayable that like, there's no, there's just no way it wasn't going to be in my top three of the year. The, it's crazy that Stand Atlantic went from a top 10 album of 2020 and they were in contention for my most improved artist of the year. I, I wanted to say that when we were talking about that superlative in one of our previous episodes, but I knew that was just going to give it away way too fucking easy. But I just had to make it known now that like Pink Elephant was an incredible album. Songs like uh, Wavelength and Do What You Want and... Um, with uh, Jurassic Park are all incredible. And then to be able to improve on that to such an extent is just unbelievable. Stan Atlantic, fuck everything and run. I don't have, I don't want to say anything else. Fantastic choice. This is in my top three for so long. I'm glad that it ended up in yours. Yep. I am so curious, Justin. All right. So, my number three, and I can near guarantee this is the one no one expected. Okay. My number three is Alternate Realities by Hero. No, we got it. We got it. We got it. We got it, baby. We, we couldn't get most of the other shit, but we got this one. <laughs> Although right. I'm pretty sure we have this as like a runner up. Yeah. I didn't think it would be this high. I think this was like number nine. Yeah, All we right. put it at number nine. For some reason, I thought I thought you guys were forgot this album. <laughs> I Hell no, no, no. This album had a Melissa Bonnie and Philip Strand feature. No way I'm forgetting this album. <laughs> I did not love this album, but those two features, no, nah, I ain't forgetting that shit, bro. <laughs> Well, uh, there goes my surprise, but no, so <laughs> this fucking album just is the most consistent album of 2022, in my opinion. Everything down to the instrumentals, the vocals, everything blends so fucking well together. 
you can hear it at the start in Gravity, where um, just the vocal delivery in every verse and every lyric just fits so well together. The band also has some really good instrumental breakdowns, um, specifically in Cynical and Gravity. The instrumentals are more like a pop rock style, but it's got such like a bouncy nature to it. It's incredibly easy to listen to. The lyrics don't really feel like too negative either. They they feel like something um, that just blends well as like a song. There's meanings behind each one, but it's still. I, I feel like this is like a more uplifting, probably the most uplift, um, like energetic album. I would say on my list. Um, quite a few standouts from this album for me would be personal, cynical. Um, Never Be the Same is pretty good. Oxygen Gravity, I think we're both singles and we're both fantastic. Funnily enough, the the weaker songs on the album are the features, in my opinion. You um, bitch. I, it's because it doesn't you give you give Philip Strand one verse. That's all you give him. Uh, okay. Well, Melissa Bonnie feature though. Yeah, she leaves that song, it's fine, but it's that that Melissa Bonnie feature is the best song on the album, and it's not even fucking close as far <laughs> as I'm concerned. I'm sorry, it's just really funny that Jake was like, "Yeah, these two features are the reason why I think it's going to make Justin's list." And it gets around to talk about the features, and Justin's like, "Yeah, they're okay. They're there. <laughs> they're all they're all right. They're not they're not my favorites." And I've also been listening to this band more than the features existed. Um, I listened to their 2020 album Bad Blood, um, but I think this album has insanely more memorable songs. Um, I also want to give proper shout-outs to like the last two songs, Bring Me Back to Life and Heavy Heart, where I think the vocal delivery is exceptional in Heavy Heart because it's that slower, kind of somber song, um, but his vocal deliveries and harmonies match so well together and the cadence to it all. I don't know. this. I don't have too much more to say because this, this album is kind of just an experience with like everything. It's It's... You're not gonna get anything new or anything different. But what you are gonna get is ten of the most consistently produced and well-crafted uh, songs from a pop punk band overseas. Yeah, I did not like this album nearly as much, but I'm still extremely grateful you showed me to them because uh, "Monster" is yeah. such an incredible song. A feature of the year contender. I feel like I mentioned a lot of them, but it was on the short list of, like, in contention for real. So, Well played, team. You got one of my surprises. One of a couple. I'm still shocked Bad Omens made it there in that high. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Okay. Uh, hit me with your number three. My number three is Dear Amelia. By Ren for short. Ren for short had a top three EP of 2021 for me, and I loved her entire discography. She was one of my favorite artists that I discovered 
And it all been building up to this moment, this debut album. And holy shit, did she deliver. This is one of, if not the best debut albums I've heard in a while. I think the only thing that comes to mind is honestly Dreamwake. <laughs> um, Spirit Box? Oh, fuck. Hmm. Okay, this is a top five debut album ever <laughs> released. As far as I can tell, this album is about Ren for short, um, or whoever the main character is, relaying a summary of their life to Amelia, who is a friend of hers who took her own life, and that who the character promised that she would do better for her in her memory. And this album is about, hey, here's what I've been up to since you left. I haven't been living up to the way that I wanted to for you. Um, every track in some way is about, you know, maybe her losing her sense of self, about her being in a relationship, which either on her part or her boyfriend, sometimes both, is full of lies and deceit and toxicity, about her struggling with her own mental illness and all of that culminating to that closer, Amelia, where she relays this to Amelia um, and sums it up in one concise statement of, I haven't been good. I haven't been feeling too good lately. Um, as far as I'm concerned, I Miss Myself is the opener of the year. That build is unparalleled. And the moment I heard it, I said, this is opener of the year. And it sets an incredible tone for an incredible album. Um, and I love the dichotomy of it with Made For You afterwards, where it's saying, you know, I miss myself and I miss knowing who I was and having that sense of self. And then Made For You being, or talking about how, you know, I'll just make myself up to be whoever you want me to be. You know, I'll abandon that self or sense of self just to make myself up in a way that's more appealing to you. That and Mosh Pit, you know, Mosh Pit is kind of the, the, the fallout or the consequences of making yourself out to be that person because you're stuck in this relationship that feels like a Mosh Pit, like a metaphorical kick to the chest, as she puts it in the chorus. And the pop sensibility across those three tracks and across this entire album starts the album off on an incredible note after the opener of the year. Hate the way you love me. I thought you were cool and don't come back. I all kind of associate with each other as being fucking incredible 10 out of 10 songs that are just so easy to throw on and listen to at any given point. Um, and we'll make this okay, which is kind of posed in between those grew on me so much. I hated it when it dropped as a single. It obliterated my expectations of the album and it took me forever to catch on to it. But once I did, it's so catchy and bouncy and as with every travis barker feature it does literally nothing to add to the song but it's still a damn good song and i think ultimately let you down is probably the strongest lyric on the album for me dealing with wanting to um, get out of a relationship and not wanting to hurt the other person in the process um i want to pull that up actually really quickly uh let you down lyrics run for sure there it is False hope, that's all I can give when you call so much, for it's over tomorrow. It's always the same. I know that I cross your mind when your eyes close, which sucks because you're never on mine, though. What a shame. It's weighing me down. Every day just makes it worse. When you're around, I just can't seem to find the words. So I'll tell you lies, say I love you tonight, so at least one of us gets some sleep. That line in particular hits hard because you're feeling so guilty about wanting to hurt this person, but you can't bring yourself to do it. I'll just pretend that this isn't the end and I know I'm dragging my feet. At least if someone gets hurt, then it's me. That even if you want to break up with this person, you're still 
so considerate of their feelings that you'd rather hurt yourself and keep yourself in a relationship you don't want to be in. Did someone say just pretend? Yeah, exactly. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I need to turn Jake down a little bit. Um, which goes into Julian King of Manhattan, which is this alt pop banger and the biggest grower for me behind will make this okay. It's just so much fun to listen to. And not my friend is my favorite vocal delivery of hers and the way it's so soft and airy. And oh, this album is so perfectly bookended because like I mentioned earlier with Amelia, it feels like she's relaying all this to her and the vocal effect on it and the imagery in my head when her voice distorts more at the very end. Um, I mentioned this in the review, but it stuck with me that to me, it feels like Amelia is hearing her from the other side. The first like three-fourths of the song is her talking up to Amelia, and the last bit is Amelia hearing her and how it sounds to her from heaven, whatever you want to call it. And it's, to me, this somber note to end an album that, you know, if you ignore the lyrics, is a really fun listen. And when you want to pay attention, if you don't want to listen to the lyrics and you just want to listen to it and put it on, fucking incredible album to vibe out and enjoy yourself mm. to. Yes. If you want to listen to the lyrics it's an introspective listen that can really get you thinking or relating to parts of your life. And oh, it's, I, as far as I'm concerned, this album, along with so many others on my list this year is flawless. And ultimately it just came down to the fact that compared to everything else that's below it, not only does this have an emotional appeal, but it's something that's so listenable that I can just put it on at any time that I want, no matter what I'm feeling and get something out of it. And to me, that's a mark of, a top three album where it should be now jacob the mm. question is is your number three ren for short two no <gasps> i'm shocked i'm shocked and surprised it is not i'll tell wait. you where it is after wait but that means <gasps> hmm I'm the, thinking. I'm very surprised. <laughs> okay, you'll understand once you hear my three. You'll know what my one and two are. Uh, yeah, um, well, I think I already know what your three are, but we'll see. <laughs> my number three album of the year is Detura by Boston Manor. <laughs> no. Oh, shit. No. You bastard. <laughs> Wait, this is a bigger shot? Uh, okay. No, because... Me off. Because... Uh, you're, giving me, you're giving me a stroke. And not the good kind. <laughs> Damn. Holy fuck. I didn't have this at all. Yeah. Let me tell you about atmosphere. <laughs> located at approximately twenty five thousand feet. This this we just we just ruined Jacob's chance to get all personal and deep. Oh, it's not personal at all, honestly. I just like the sound of this album and how it immerses you. Oh, okay. Um this yeah, it it literally puts you in this world. And that it it just starts off with like, can you not bark while I'm doing this review? Hey, it puts you in a world. Dogs (laughs) exist in the world. You know, you're just playing into the war. Okay. As far as I'm concerned. Let me start over. 
Let me tell you about atmosphere. <laughs> a weird sense of deja vu. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, the album the album starts off with like a almost hip- hypnotic, like offbeat drumming with like electronic effects on it. I don't even know how else to describe it. It's so off-putting but relaxing at the same time and you just it just sets the tone and puts you in the it immerses you and i think detura dusk is like the perfect way to start off this album and we get to floodlights on the square and the main theme of the album is, seems to be addressed here. And the whole album, to me at least, seems to be about drug addiction and Detura being a poisonous flower symbolizes the addiction or the drug. It, it, the idea of the drug is nice, like the flower looks nice, um, but in reality, it's poison. And I feel like that's the whole premise of this album. And there's many references to like, quote unquote, um, relying on you. And I think that's talking about whatever this drug is. I know in um, previous albums, it's, it's heroin. I think that's what Halo is about in Welcome to the Neighborhood. I don't know if Henry struggles with this, vocalist. Um, but other references like problems following me towards the end of the album we get put into a three minute track of literally just ambience and it literally is it's like psychedelic that's the word i'm gonna use i'm gonna steal it from derek let's go it's such a cool and unexpected thing. Um, and then you get into Inertia, which is my favorite track on the album, which also has three minutes of ambience on the end of it. So this, oh, it just, it's so, it literally puts you in the world. That's the only way I can explain it. Um, Another thing I wanted to mention, um, inertia means, like, unchanging. And the song seems to be a tribute to, like, I believe, Henry, uh, his wife, and being her accept, uh, and him being grateful that she accepts him as he is. And it's such a beautiful way to close off this album. I cannot stress enough how, like, I don't think it's as good as Welcome to the Neighborhood. But as a whole, kind of similar to Rain City Drive, I think it puts you in this world that Boston Manor has created. And it does a really good job of that. And I think that's why it's number three. It's just, it literally just immerses you. 
I thought Foxglove was a pretty alright song. It is. I'm... I am feeling a lot of things right now. I am shocked. Did you listen to this, by the way? Mm -mm, I never got around to it. I'm mad. See, that's one of the emotions that I'm feeling. I'm mad at myself for not getting around to this because you sold me. I'm disappointed that I didn't even think of this to enter your top 10. I'm even more disappointed because there are two albums that I thought for sure were going to make your top five and now are no longer there. This is throwing a wrench in everything. I don't know what those are. I'm really curious. If they so I'm I know one of them two is. Albums. I'm thinking of two albums. If they are not, or if one of them is also in your last two, then whatever one you've left out is also going to make me disappointed. So. Yeah. Actually, I have a feeling I know what it is now. I just looked at yeah. a playlist. Interesting. We'll see. Okay. We'll see. Yep. We'll see. But we'll find out when we get there. For now, Jake, you're number two. Let's continue with me getting exposed, huh? Yes, sir. My number two album of the year is Remade in Misery by Memphis May Fire. Wow. Told you. I did not think it would be this high. I, uh, Jake, I thought that uh, it was going to be number three and St. Atlantic was going to be number two. So yeah, I, it's, when, when you guys exposed me back at like number fucking eight, <laughs> I knew, <laughs> I knew that you guys had the order as this three St. Atlantic two and redacted it one. <laughs> oh, <my>. um, <laughs> all right. So let's talk about it then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This album has quite possibly the highest floor of any album I have heard outside of my top two albums of all time. It's like even my least favorite songs on here, I will I can sing you the chorus of every single song on this album. And I pro I haven't heard some of these songs in months. Real. And that's just a testament to how fucking good the songwriting and melody Every single song on this album is Blood and Water, Bleed Me Dry, Death Inside, The American Dream, Your Turn, Misery, Left for Dead, Only Human, The Fight Within. I think the only songs I skipped over there are Somebody and Make Believe. And it's like, damn, when those are my bottom two songs on the album, that's incredible that's unbelievable it's like those are my top two it's make belief (laughs) (laughs) blood and water barely missed out on my top 10 songs of last year and the fight within is sitting pretty at my number 13 of this year barely missing the cut again and i have been struggling all year on which one is actually my favorite because blood and water is the one that i'm going to listen to as like just an incredible metalcore song Whereas Fight Within is my favorite motivational, uplifting song of the year and my favorite closer of the year. And then in between, you just get nine other incredible songs ranging from metalcore to just like radio rock to metalcore that fits on radio rock. And it's just like every single song, the production and mix is amazing the melodies are incredible the instrumentation okay yeah maybe it's not the most unique thing you've ever heard 
but it's just fucking good it's just fucking good and really that's just what it comes down to it's like with a lot of the other albums that are further down my list that i've mentioned have some flaws stand atlantic had that run of a couple songs that aren't as memorable future palace had a couple songs uh even mothka which i think is more consistent doesn't have the same peaks as this album and this album (laughs) i'm gonna be real this album was number two from the moment i heard it wow stand atlantic immediately got the boot from the moment i heard this album and honestly i never even i never really even considered switching them (laughs) which i'm sure comes as a surprise (laughs) to you guys given that uh two songs from uh fear made my top 10 songs of the year nothing Mm. from this album did yeah but it's just the consistency that this album like i would rather listen to the 11 songs on here than like i don't know it's like when we're at this point it's not about how high do you peak when i'm getting down to my top three top four albums of the year it's not about how high do you peak it's about how high are your lows Mm. and that's what this album does for me it delivers even at its lowest it there isn't a forgettable moment here there isn't a lackluster song on here it's just consistently uh, just incredible as far as i'm concerned uh there's a couple lyrics that i want to give shout outs to blood and water the opening delivery on that song of i used to think that i deserved this tried my best but never perfect i was helpless and you knew it you like to think you're a martyr but you're just abusive so no yep oh it's so fucking good um the next lyric that i want to bring up is on death inside which is uh my third favorite song on here um i see the hourglass flipped upside down tell me what's the meaning if i'm barely breathing when the clock runs out again i love the delivery on that one um and just it's just an incredible song the mosh call of that song as well is because we got no say when the reaper talks go it's just great uh and then i i need to spend a minute on the fight within because i wasn't able to Mm. talk about it in my favorite songs of the year i don't feel like i highlighted it enough when we talked about the album back in june but just about every single fucking lyric on this song has resonated with me in some way and the way that it builds the fight within is how you do a closer that builds that starts slow and climaxes this is the blueprint for how you do it and make me happy so lyrically um as i walk down this road i know i'm not alone but sometimes i feel no hope for someone like me that struggled with like social anxiety and feeling outcasted for so many years and knowing that like yeah there's probably people i could reach out to but like what if i don't type of thing you know um and then in the chorus when it just absolutely explodes at the very end of this song uh after the bridge of um again that same opening lyric but maddie belts out there is hope before the climactic drop of the chorus of i might be lost until i reach to the end but i'll keep moving with every step i know i'll fall again but i'll get through it because when i think i'm about to break i can see my growth and pain so i might be lost but i'll find the fight within and 
I've, I've mentioned it before. Shakedown by the score is my favorite song of all time. And lyrically, that chorus is probably some of the closest lyrics to what makes Shakedown so special for me. Um, it was I was going back and forth with that as my lyric of the year, ultimately decided against it. But The Fight Within is a very special song to me now. And it's a big reason why this album is my number two favorite album of the year. I'm really bummed that you missed the show. Yeah, they really went to Boston on my birthday and I couldn't be there. With Wolves at the Gate, my number 11 album of the year. And Rain City with, Drive. With Rain City Drive, my number one album of Starting 2020. With From Ashes to New. With From Ashes to New, who released Heartache, my number 12 song of the year. This world sucks. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> you know, it makes sense now that you've explained it. I feel like you're one through six. We're always going to be your one through six, but the order exactly. of five and six and two and three have kind of thrown me yeah. for a loop. Mm-hmm. As I said, I think my list is very predictable. <laughs> I'm not shocked that you guys got you it. I did not keep the secret. But, and the uh, severe lack of green on Justin's. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of right. Justin, speaking of Justin. All right. I want to know what you guys guessed for my number two. Um. Well, we had we were going back and forth with one and two as uh, Valiant Hearts and Abyss watching me. Um, at this oh. point, the guess is I think I know what the top two. Uh, are. It's, I, I think, it, and Odeon? I think I know what the order. My is. guess is Odeon or Odeon. My right? guess is Varsity. Is neither. What? Oh my What's god! I think I know it's what it is. Then. Nerve. It is nerve. Yep. <laughs> what the fuck? Here. What's your album of the year? I don't know. <laughs> I know. I, know, I absolutely know what the fuck it is. I know it. I know it. I feel calm. Yeah. I know it. I know it. I know it. I don't think you do. It was well, a voice. Some, some random band we've never heard. Let's of. talk about Nerve first. So. The boys! It's been a long time coming. Um, I think um, Bad Nature dropped 2020, I want to say. No, it was early 20... 2021. That's right. Uh, I was thinking of Hopeless. Hopeless but, was 2020, yeah. But fuck, this, this album's a long time coming. I know the band had a lot of issues uh, in the back, uh, which is why this album was delayed. But it came together in such a clear, crisp way. It's all self-produced, self-mixed. Um, there's just a lot of good in this. Honestly, I don't have a lot to really dive deep into this album. Mainly because a lot of the lyrics aren't too complex. The album's a pop, alternative, rock-style album that... One second that I just adore listening to. You get songs like um, Demons, which is a, a very a very dark, kind of very slow rock-styled song with a really good um, tail end. Um, 
that just repeats, you know, what you say, what you say. Um, let me get Felix. Uh, what'd you say? What'd you say? Would you say you know me better? Do you see a better me? Do you seem, do you, do I seem dead inside? And that just repeats twice, and it's just a really good bridge that leads into the final chorus. You get Still Breathing, which was technically the band's comeback, because it was the single that really um, put them kind of back on people's radar. It's a really good kind of show of, like, their sound and just, like, their their vocal dynamics. Dylan's vocals are phenomenal in this song in particular. And then you just... um, We mentioned this when we were talking about the album, but it... It goes back and forth from here. You get low, which really blends in that really good kind of heavier rock style sounds with like guitars and drums um, that they do really well with. You get color feeling, which on its own was kind of underwhelming, but in the context of the album, I felt better with and felt it kind of meshed fairly well together and is fairly well placed. And then we get... The fucking blue, which every part of me is blue. <laughs> bruising bruising cause of you. It is the best single. It is no question a fucking phenomenal song. Um, it's just it's this entire album is infectious. It is like a fucking parasite that just does not leave your brain from start to finish. Um. My only criticism with this, and it's the same one I had at the start of the episode, most of these are singles. We got four surprises, technically. Um, Demons, I think the music video dropped same day as the album dropped. Um, But we got Bad Dream, Erased, and Brothers, the closer. Brothers are really good closer. Um... The vocal delivery and the lyrics of uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou being used very well. Um, the lyrics as well. I lost my way when you left that day. You stood for nothing but greed. I probably should have shut my mouth that day. Instead, I just watched you leave. Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Really good delivery. And um, Dylan's vocals just hit that those notes fairly well. Um, and I, <laughs> I, I, I love Erased, man. It's... It's such a good fucking song. Something about it is that mixture of very um, energetic, kind of um, bouncy, um, post-hardcore sound that I adore with the lyrics and vocals that um, just keep me replaying it more and more. In the grand scheme of things, it's not much different than Blue, and Blue maybe has deeper lyricism that just makes it better. Um, but just something about a race just kind of hooked me on first listen, and it's the one song I continue continuously go back to. That and Demons. And whatever I just um, need a song from this from this album to listen to. Overall, like Nerve knocked this album out of the fucking park, and um, I'm glad they're back. I am uh, glad this album's out. And not in fucking uh, record label purgatory. record label purgatory, but um, maybe next time, cool with the singles and uh, give us some surprises. Derek, 
I have been lying to all of you all year and doing a horrible job of it. My number two album yep, of the yep, year yep, yeah, I is know The Death is. of Peace of Mind by Bad Omens. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was going to be Dance, Kevin Dance. Oh, my God. well um hold up so i have something to say yes this is also my number two i knew it fuck you for not having run for short on your list (laughs) i really thought drugs was gonna be up there too oh my okay we're just this is like okay we're gonna talk about this album okay three times in a row aren't we (laughs) Uh, yeah. <laughs> do I just fucking say it? Do I just fucking say it? Just no, fucking say no, it. Go no, 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 no. We'll say it. We'll say it. It's your album of the year. You got your own. Look, <laughs> this was and has been my album of the year from the night it came out until a couple days ago. Nothing contested it or ever came close. You fooled I, me. I think it really made it there the moment that I first heard that chorus to just pretend. And it was like, I am eight tracks deep and holy fuck what's happening to me. And the only time that it, (laughs) Justin, the (laughs) only time that I questioned it was when I was feeling very iffy about the last four songs. And the day that Artificial Suicide clicked for me was the day where I said, fuck it, this is album of the year. Right now, I'm listing it as my number two because there is another album that we'll be talking about after. But I have never had an album come out and grip me the way that this one did. I, I listened to nothing but this album for the first two weeks it came out. It didn't matter what I was doing. It, it, had, to, it had to happen. There is success with experimentation on this album that few, if no other bands can claim in terms of adjusting their sound between albums. Noah just decided that he wants to be one of the best singers in the scene now. And he is. He is. He is. The dude is arguably probably the most talented vocalist in the entire scene, I would say. I think in terms of versatility and what he can do with both his cleans and uncleans, and especially after hearing it live, the dude's a beast. I... This yielded my number one and number two songs of the year in Bad Decisions and Just Pretend. And somebody else was in contention for a top 10 song of the year for ages, too. And that's not even to say, I, I guess I never lie when I said that the other songs on the album didn't hold up as well as Bad Decisions and Just Pretend. But it's hard to when they're my top two songs of the year. So I figured I could mm-hmm. kind of say that and get away with it type of thing, you know? Yeah. Um, Concrete Jungle is a fantastic opener. It sets a tone perfectly and even despite hearing it like 60, 70 times, still grows on me every time I hear it. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter complain that this album is front and heavy, but I honestly think that tracks seven through 15 are for the most part stronger than the front half uh, with bad decisions all the way to miracle. Yeah, I know that's that I've learned a very unpopular opinion. Um, Excuse me. Hurtful. Having said that, Having said that, the first six songs are still fucking incredible and translated even better live and turned them from 10 out of 10s into 11 out of 10s. I think outside of I Don't Want the Money, this entire album is an 11 out of 10. And it's long. 
like you were saying, Justin, but for me, you know, you, the, where you're saying it slowings down, like the songs where it's slower, to me, those are my favorite tracks on this album. And so I think that it's paced perfectly and I love them at their softer side. And, you know, I didn't live, actually, I don't like a single song besides Limits and Never Know off of their self-titled they're finding god before finding god find that. the mercy yeah. disrespect i'm sorry nothing about this band clicked for me i think it's because they really did sound to me like as much as the fucking meme about it bring me the horizon like ripoffs and i don't like bring me the horizon so it was like no, it wasn't clicking for me and i love also the way that certain songs in this album pair together i mean there's the obvious ones like what it costs and like a villain but i love the lyrical sonical and um even just or um track titles of the like who are you question mark somebody else period um what do you want from me in artificial suicide and even concrete jungle and miracle because i i interpreted this as almost a concept album where it's dealing with the breakup and the way that you invest yourself fully in somebody emotionally and the way that their loss can tear you apart mentally and emotionally and affect your perception of love i mean it's a little obvious to me at least to kind of draw that from loves the death of peace of mind type of thing mm. but the concrete jungle is feeling like you're on top of the world and it's contrasting with miracle where it's i wanted to dress a blade up and red with both of our necks but i wasn't able and i wasn't stable i guess nevertheless i'm fucking depressed i hide it with sex and drink till it's fatal it's so fucking painful it's a mess that you've gone from on top of the world the king of the concrete jungle to the absolute bottom and the desperate i need a miracle at the end that once that clicked this album grew from incredible to just out of this world and i don't think that there's anything that bad omens can't do at this point even without the success of just pretend on TikTok and radio, I think that Bad Omens were poised, <laughs> I guess, ironically enough, to become the bet or the next Bring Me the Horizon uh, in terms of popularity and influence over the scene. And I think that this is going to be the decade of Bad Omens. Um, if you're not paying attention to Bad Omens, then you're missing out because I think at this point, between this album and how well it translates live, this band is unstoppable and there's no genre that they can't make their own. If they put out an album from here on out and it's the same trajectory as this, it is going to be album of the year every single year. As before mentioned, The Death of Peace of Mind by Bad Omens is also my number two. And it is my most listened to album this year. It is my second most listened to album of all time. And that is insane to me. The only other album I have listened to more is The Silver Scream by Ice Nine Kills. And early 2023, that will change. I will tell you that now. This album will easily surpass Be that. Thrown. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> pun intended <laughs> it this album is it's it blows my mind that i'm still so attached to it because of some memories attached to it that i have and it literally plowed through my entire 2022 and it was just 
relentless, honestly. I could not stop listening, and I still can't stop listening. And I don't think I've ever, ever felt this way about an album. I, it, yeah, it is almost perfect. And this album starts off with my favorite song, um, Concrete Jungle, and it literally sets the mood for the entire album. Um, you get the vibe. Nowhere to go, I feel like, is a song that I should talk about a lot because it is my third most played song of the year. And I honestly don't really have much to say about it other than it is literally just like Concrete Jungle, but almost as good. (laughs) Um, It's got a great, great breakdown. Um, And I think what Derek touched on it slightly, but I want to emphasize it i think this album is divided into three sections and the first section being concrete jungle to like a villain being the more slow melodic builds into breakdowns and then once we get into like a villain or after like a villain we get into bad decisions and all the way to somebody else i would say is a more emotional side to this album. Mm. And then after that, I don't want the money. What do you want from me? Artificial suicide miracle, all very experimental. Yeah. And angry. (laughs) Yeah. It's okay. There's a lot of references to like swords that everybody, everybody's pointed out, but I want to emphasize the references to like, driving and like driving a car um because that's where my first of all that's where i spent most of my time listening to this album is driving to work (laughs) um but so many references like all throughout the album of of this image of taking control of the driver's seat or even even in and I think that well oh I'm am I having a stroke here? Okay. Um references to driving and I think it symbolizes taking control of your life like we touched on in even like Concrete Jungle, Nowhere to Go. Um there's other songs I can't think of at the moment, but it's taking control of your life coming from a dark place and that being either the concrete jungle or a relationship or there's just so many moments on this album. Um, I also wanted to mention, what do you want from me? Biggest grower. Um, instrumentally, I think it is one of the better songs on the album. I really do think the only problem with it and why people are underwhelmed with it, I want to say, is that the the vocals are tuned too low. And I know that's the intention. That and another thing I wanted to mention, if you look at the artwork 
of the album and you look at the deluxe artwork of finding God before God funds me. And you look at the self-titled artwork. They all have something in common. Going, and I don't going. know what it means, but it is really interesting to me that they all have a woman. Her face is usually not fully shown. And um, some sort of fabric. Mm. Like a blanket. It's just something... I. It's a really cool motif. I'm going to yeah. use that word again. It's, yeah, it's something that I really would like to know the meaning of. I don't, I looked it up online and I haven't found anything about it. But it's just something I wanted to note of. I don't, this, this album is just, it's, it's so good, but it's not, it's not perfect. And I think I agree with Justin saying I would cut some songs off. And it really pains me to say it because I think I would cut the last four songs off. And What Do You Want From Me and Artificial Suicide are both some of my favorite tracks. Mm. Miracle is interesting to me as well i don't think it is my i don't think it's it's solid enough as a closer for me to i've always had a problem with it i i remember <laughs> from the beginning i always had a problem with it being the closer i was like oh it could oh, it could be better and me the hypocrite is wearing my miracle shirt right now but um <laughs> yeah there's that, the reason it is Number two and not number one is because it is not perfect. It is so, so close. Mm -hmm. Yep. But it is, it is not, it is not perfect. And the highs on this album are higher than my the album of the year. Album of the year. Oh. <laughs> my, they're higher than my album of the year. But the whole listening experience is not as impactful as my album of the year. And I'll touch on that when we get to it. You just read my fucking notes. <laughs> you can really tell this is both of our album of the year for a long time. <laughs> yeah. All right, Jake, I want to hear the recap of your 12 to 2. Before the my number 10 stop. album of the year is Nothing More and their album Spirits. My number 9 is Nyx by Abyss Watching Me. My number 8 is Rock Shock by Bloody Wood. My number 7 is Dark Sun by Dayseeker. My number 6 is Run by Future Palace. That rhymes with Dark Sun. My number 5 is True Power by I Prevail. My number 4 is Nocturnal by Mothica. My number 3 is Fear, aka Fuck Everything and Run by Stan Atlantic. My number 2 is Remade in Misery by Memphis May Fire. And my album of the year is The Death of Peace of Mind by Bad Omens. And the crowd goes mild because nobody's fucking surprised. <laughs> Jake. I'm actually so super surprised. Shut up, oh you're God, lying. I <laughs> love that there was a world for a good while there. We have like we had ended this in like I don't know, September. That 
Everyone but had the me same had... album as our album. <laughs> Everyone but me would Dude, have had a do you remember, piece of money. Do you remember 2020? Talk to him. Oh, yeah. Better Days was close. We better Days was close. At number two. Mm-hmm. And Jake had, had it as number one. one. So we it's like the same. <laughs> and you and I had um Noya for number one that year. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I I don't I think there might be another shared album of the year coming up. <laughs> I don't know. Just a just a hunch, actually. Alright. Uh so let me quote the great Aristotle here. Oh. The whole is greater than the sum of its parts. That is the death of peace of mind. I wasn't really good at math, Jake. <laughs> what the fuck does that have to do with me? Okay. The, basically, what I'm trying to say is that you add up the individual scores of all 15 songs here, and you get like a 9.9 out of 10. Involved, Jake. Come on. Shut up. You, so you take like the 10 out of 10 for like 15 tracks and like a 9.9 on one track. And you get a 9.9 out of 10 for the entire album. But if I'm just ranking the entire album, we're we're getting like a 16 out of 10. I have to bring it my calculator. Keep going. <laughs> uh, I, I want to say this is my favorite album of all time. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I'm too emotionally attached to primrose path to i think ever break free from declaring anything else is my favorite album of all time but if i wasn't afraid the death of peace of mind is my favorite album of all time and you guys just gave all your reasons for why it's great and i agree with just about everything you say except i think that i don't think any song here could be taken out. I think that even though What Do You Want From Me is my least favorite song on here, this album would be worse without it. I think that even though Artificial Suicide is unlike anything else on this album and realistically doesn't fit on this album, I think the album is worse off without it. Mm. I don't think you can take out a single song on here without it changing the experience. Which, I mean, yeah, that makes sense, but like on a deeper level just to bring up a couple of moments that i adored the moment that concrete jungle starts you get like a second and a half of a pause before noah sings the first lyric and with most other great closures think of pray for rain as i've mentioned three times already openers think of yeah think of openers think of openers think of pray for rain you get an instrumental build before any lyrics think of sun killer you get that like mm. groovy bass line before you get any lyrics and you you start to build that atmosphere concrete jungle demands your attention from the moment you start listening there's no time to think about what you're about to experience it, your attention is immediate and you have to start listening to the experience from the first second that you hear noah's voice there are I, I can't name another album that does that. And like I have out of the first ten songs on this album, the only two that did not make my Spotify wrapped are Bad Decisions and Who Are You. 
and I'm I'm not counting what it cost here because that's just included with like a villain, okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's just pretend the interlude merge feature Let's that just we've pretend. been talking about. Yeah for years concrete jungle nowhere to go take me first the death of peace of mind like a villain just pretend the gray they are all in my end of year playlist bad omens has the most songs of any artist in my spotify wrapped i have listened to bad omens like almost one and a half times more than any other artist this year the gap between bad omens and everyone else is like Looking at the tallest mountain in America and then climbing to Mount Everest. It's not close. I it agree never with was. Everything you're saying. Yep. Right there with you. Uh I'm gonna make you disagree because between the three experimental tracks of bad decisions, who are you and somebody else, I think somebody else is the best of them. That's a banger choice. I mean, bad decisions is better, obviously, I think. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think who are you? <laughs> I I go somebody else bad decisions. Who are you? That's my ranking of those three. Um, I, I also think them all in eleven, except for bad decisions, which is a twelve. <laughs> what it cost is the best interlude since uh, Death of an Optimist by Grandson, and it is a perfect way to keep the pace from the death of peace of mind into like a villain. And the way that those two songs merge is just fucking incredible. I didn't know like a villain needed an interlude until I heard it. But of course, it's Bad Omens that would do it. And it's got uh, a violin. It does have a violin, too. It very much has the violin. It has the Jacob instrument. Yes. Um, somebody else, the atmosphere that that song brings and the instrumentation just connects with me on so much more of a level than Bad Decisions and Who Are You. They're both, both of those songs are incredible. Don't get me wrong. But the way that somebody else like just bounces around it like almost reminds me of like a hypnotic break dance if that makes any sense at all mm-hmm. and then i don't want the money is just a banger the little like boom you know that thing in like the drop that electronic synthy thing mm-hmm. i don't know what the fuck to call it it is yeah. so fucking cool though i love it uh what do you want from me would have been so much better off if it wasn't a single because i have that shit on repeat if it's not released next to artificial suicide and artificial suicide is unbelievable it's unlike anything else on this album and if bad omens made an album that was entirely like artificial suicide it's probably album of the year still and i have yet to mention the uh into the white night fade out at the end which is so fucking good like okay yeah that's impactful when you transition out of that into any song but to transition out of that into the closer it's like whiplash almost you've gone through this entire experience and you're cut off before the song even ends and then you get into miracle and okay it's not the best closer i've heard this year i can name a handful of closers that are better but i still think it's an amazing closer to this album and it reminds me of the score it reminds me of atlas my favorite album by them one of my one of the most important albums that i've ever listened to as much as i don't listen to it as much anymore the memories that i have attached to that album are with me forever and miracle reminds me of that in a way and it's just bad omens are inevitable i struggle to see a world 
where Bad Omens album four isn't my album of the year again. I don't, I have more faith in Bad Omens to repeat album of the year more than any other band. More than Amaranth, more than Grandson, more than Normandy, more than Spirit Box, more than fucking the score, obviously at this point. But I. Bad Omens are just the best. They are. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's not subjectively, it's objectively. Bad Omens are the best. Period. Um, You I... mentioned. <laughs> Gone. You mentioned the, um, the white noise in uh, artificial suicide. I yes. forgot I wanted to mention a similar aspect in "Take Me First. Um, okay. In the first verse, he goes, um, "If I could wake up, I'd hesitate," and then in the bridge, "If I could wake up, I'd." Ah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That gets me every time. Speaking of another, like, tie between multiple songs, Miracle, one of the lines in Miracle is, um, what are we calling it, and what does it cost? What it costs, baby. Uh, Another tie-in, Concrete Jungle has the same kind of, I don't know what the fuck you want to call it. It's an electronic thing. It's in Concrete Jungle. It's also in The Death of Peace of Mind. Mm. I love that tie-in together. Another moment. The drum fill on the first chorus in Nowhere to Go. No one but Bad Omens would do that. Everyone, 99% of other bands would do that drum fill in the chorus on the last chorus because it's like the climax moment. Bad Omens do it first in the first chorus and that just fucking amps me up for the rest of the song. It's... I mean, we've spent so much time on this album already. I'm sure everyone that's listening to this already knows how fucking amazing this album is. We don't need to say it. It's it's undeniable the impact that this album and Bad Omens have on the scene right now. And we're in for a treat if this band keeps going. And I think that they are going to keep they're, trending up. They're just getting started. Yeah. This band is going to define the decade, I think. Similar to what you said, Derek. I agree. Somebody needed to have it as their album of the year. I'm so glad all four of us had it. Yeah, it deserves to be all four of our top tens. If there was one album, it had to be It was going to be this. Yeah. Yeah. Poetic. Okay. For the winner of the What the Fuck is Your Album of the Year award, I would like to present it to Justin. Hello. Recap your top 10 first, buddy. Absolutely. So my number 10 was uh, Led by Lanterns with their album Paralysis. Number 9 was uh, Apothecitis from Fight the Fade. Number 8 was Reaching Hypercritical by Palisades. Uh, Number 7 was The Death of Peace of Mind by Bad Omens. Number 6, Still Hurts, Yonder by Valiant Hearts. Number five, Eulogies by Wolves of the Gate. Number four, Nyx by Abyss Watching Me. My number three was Alternate Realities by Hero. My number two was We Are All Patients Here by Nerve. My number one, Welcome Home by Versity. And I just wanna stop until you can't escape the thought that I'll be here until the end.
knew it. Oh my didn't god! Know it. I, I knew it. I didn't I think it. I like. Yeah. I, I thought it was on his list, but I didn't think it was number one. Yeah, I knew the moment that Nerve was two, Varsity was one. Yeah, that's why I kept quiet when um, Jacob. You asked if um, Day Secret was on my list. I was like, I'm gonna keep quiet because if I say it is, then or if I say no, it's not, you guys will figure out it's my yeah. what my yeah, album yeah. of the year is. So. Let me start off by saying that Varsity didn't really grasp me much when Cloud City came out. Um, I really think that like Pathos and Dig were really the only ones that stood out, and even still, they like real released Wilt, which was really weird. So going into this, I was kind of on the fence a little bit. I was looking to see what they had in store. But my god, the amount of versatility that this fucking band has is is incredible. You get the mixture of like western sort of old-timey sounds in the title track. You get somber ballads in um Gravity and 11AM. Um and you get really surprising heavy songs uh with love sick and the uh i think it was sick and finesse also had breakdowns uh and you just get some r&b flair with all the verses all throughout um specifically in hush this band has their sound on lock there's quite a few lyrics that i'm just picked apart from different songs uh you get finesse with the notions feature but the ending of the song was perfect for an opener. Uh, now breathe in slow, be easy, breathe in slow, enjoy the show. Mm. Really good start to the album. Uh, and then you get the three s- singles, which kind of kind of are right. I'm, I think it's still those are the weakest three for me, in my opinion. Anytime I listen to this album at the start of the year, um, I always had like a four track uh, loop of uh, We Always, Welcome Home, Love Sick, and Hush. Um, those were always just like on repeat one after the other. Um, as we get to the end of the year, I found more love for Gravity. Um, Gravity's lyrics kind of resonated with me more and more, um, just as like my way of thinking and my personal opinions specifically in the final uh, chorus where you get i'm flying lower than you know still you can't see my ghost i guess i'm just invisible to you i'm flying lower than you know still can't see my ghost but it's over now yes it's over now i don't want to let myself down um but in the final chorus you get that whispering fade out of but i always let myself down um which i feel i'm one of many very guilty of um Often and sometimes need that reassurance. Um, we always is another one of those standout songs for me. I saved one of the lyrics here. Uh, I think it's from the chorus. Just wait. I know we've made some bad mistakes. Please stay. Tell me you love me. I'll get down on my, on my knees. I'll beg till I bleed. Give you all that you need. But we always free, free fall from grace. Joey Tyler's vocal delivery you're, on that. You're highlighting everything I love about this song. <laughs> I know! Because it's such it's, a good song, to be fair. It's a really good song. Uh, it's fucking incredible. Um, and it's it's just got like a really good vibe to it. The 
difference in Welcome Home and just how it goes from like kind of a different feel uh, to then kind of blending in more of that pop centric sounds. We always starting from like an acoustic uh, somber ballad and then uh, the choruses kind of lead in as more instrumentals get in uh, to now kind of get more of this like desperate sounding tone to it. And then Lovesick, um, I talked about this a little bit. Uh, go check out top five songs of the year. But I also want to highlight King of Pop, which is a Michael Jackson inspired song. And it's kind of clear in like the pre-chorus, stage left, moonwalk, fade away. I you don't know, hear a fucking word they say. I didn't realize that, but now it makes so much sense. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> it's absolutely Michael Jackson based. Um, and you also get like references. I think there's like a woo um, kind of referencing the what Michael Jackson would do. And then just the, the flow and Joey's voice and his delivery and all of these songs just makes it so easy to listen to. And you also just get the lyrics very, very quickly. I don't know what the future of this band really holds. They, um, As we're recording this, they dropped the third part of Welcome Home, which is three entirely new songs. Um, and they're so good. They are really good. Um, and apparently, again, there's another album coming fucking next year. So who knows? We might see this on my list again next year. Mm. Um, Varsity are on a tear. They've got the style. They've got an incredible amount of variety with their sound and what what they can do with their dynamics, blending in that electronica uh, mixed with like the metallic guitars. It's just it's a incredible and unique sound that not a lot of bands are recognizing how to do well. Um, you get a lot of bands that can do like a sort of rap style um, mixed in with the with the metal sound, but you get it in a way where it just the the rap feels like it's just kind of tacked on. It doesn't feel like it's blending in with the song, and I think Varsity does that so well and makes it so much more easy to listen to. This, I would not say, is going to be my album of the decade. Um, <laughs> too early to say. Yeah, too no, early to say. Um, That's true. With, ba- with bad <laughs> omens, maybe who knows? Um, but it's definitely going to make a pretty lasting impact. And um, while it's not as um, of the albums that we've talked about on the award shows, it's not as in depth as um, Galleons was or. Um, uh, Noya's album, um, but it's still just a really good front to back listen to, and I think you can also like these songs are don't even have to be listened to their own vacuum. You can just turn one on and listen to it. It's it's gonna be an enjoyable trip, and all these songs are less than four minutes long. Like it's there's so much to them. This this is an incredibly written album, um, easily my number one of the year god damn good that breakdown's good (laughs) good pick justin all right derek i feel like we have the same maybe (laughs) you don't know that let's hear your 10 let's hear your 10 
My number 10, Chelsea Park After Dark by Donovan Malero. My number nine is What You Left Behind. Why did I put that there? The Hell We Create by Fit for a King. My number eight is Oh, What the Future Holds by Fit for an Autopsy. My number seven is Fuck Everything and Run by Stand Atlantic. My number six is To Only a Few at First by Royal Coda. Number five is Virtual Reality by Dreamlink. Number four, Creatures Together by Garden. Number three, Dear Amelia by Ren for Short. Number two, The Death of Peace of Mind by Bad Omens. Hold up. And Oh, yeah, you go through yours. You want to say it together? You want me to go through my 10? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. My number 10 is Techno by Electric Cowboy. My number nine is Dark Sun by Dayseeker. My number eight is Remade in Misery by Memphis Mayfire. My number seven is Rain City Drive by Rain City Drive. My number six, Creatures Together by Garden. Number five, Welcome Home by Varsity. Number four, Hell Finds You Everywhere by Thousand Below. Number three, Detura by Boston Manor. My number two, The Death of Peace of Mind by Bad Omens. You ready? I, if we don't have the same one, we have to re-record this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Are you ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. Fame Color on fire. K. Welcome to the chaos. Color the chaos. <laughs> <laughs> by the Devil, by the devil Wears Prada. Doing a little monochrome out here. Bro, you scared me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really that. No, I look, I knew this was yours. Once you started having an album with a year crisis in the group chat, I knew. I knew it was over for the poor death of I, I didn't even need to know that. See, I... no, I didn't. See, I had this decided. My one and two were locked. Oh, yeah. For, yeah. for weeks. Yep. Yeah, that's not surprising. And it's I'm honestly like, not. No, I, I'm not. I'm not surprised with Derek. I'm a little surprised about number two, but yeah. Look, I cannot believe there's no dance, Kevin. Dance. It's not even top fifteen. I don't think. Oh, it is. It's fourteen. Okay. It, how about Polyphia? Polyphia didn't make top twenty. <sighs> okay. I fucked All up. Right. Let's talk about this album then. Let's talk about this album. Give the color decay spiel one more time for those that <laughs> missed it. Look, I mentioned the Bad Omens was my album of the year until about a week ago. And a week ago is when I decided that despite the fact that I listened to the Death of Peace of Mind way more than any other album this year, by far. Yep. And despite the fact that I was obsessed with it, the objective perfection of this album is way too hard to deny and to place it anywhere else besides number one would be doing the album and the band a disservice it this anywhere but number one band like it's it has to be album of the year it's not every day that you get an album like this it's this album achieves such consistent highs that no other album this year touched and the floor of this album truly feels like nearly every other band's ceiling my introduction to the Devil Wears Prada was the act back in 2019. And I was left feeling like something was missing. Um, Mike's uncleans, as raw and unique as they felt, didn't really feel balanced out, which made it a difficult listen for me. And then on a whim in early 2020, uh, when I was on my way to school at the time, um, 
which is fuck college. Uh, I revisited the album and it didn't do much for me anymore, but what played immediately afterwards was Sour Breath, which blew me away. And I didn't realize it was a cover until much later, but it was the exact sound that I was looking for from this band with Mike's raw emotional uncleans and Jeremy's cleans mixed together perfectly with emotional lyricism. It was like the stars had aligned yes. and I was hoping and praying that I would someday get that same exact energy from a, the Devil Wears Prada album. And we got the singles and that vibe wasn't there. And I was sad. And then we got the album and it clicked. Yep. Color Decay is nothing short of a masterpiece. And there are honestly a surprising amount of established Devil Wears Prada fans that don't like this album. But a while back... Um, Late 2020, I went and listened to their entire discography and inspired solely <laughs> by Sour Breath. And I feel that having heard their entire discography and Color Decay now, this is not only the ultimate artistic culmination of all their previous albums and EPs, but it's also better than everything else that they have ever put out combined. You, I feel like I don't even have to say anything <laughs> because other than... What you said about your first experience being the act. Yeah. My first experience was 818. I think so. 818. And Transit Blues. And mm. I listened to a little bit of Dead Throne, uh, mainly Mammoth and Born to Lose. Uh, not much else. I have tracks from... Oh, what's the one with the tree on it? Um, with branches with, above, with and, above roots, and roots below. Roots yeah. above. Yeah, whatever. Uh, that yeah. one. I have a few songs saying from that. Before that, there's not really much. I thought the act was by far the best album. Chemical is one of my most played songs ever. Um, and that is the sound I was looking for. Like leaning more into the cleans of Jeremy. And also, the Space EP, EP is a banger. The Zombie EP is also good. I don't think it is as good. Um, we also got Zed 2 last year. But I still think the Space EP is better than both of those. But this is an evolution of sound from the act. And I think it is way, way better. I think what makes it so much better actually because the sound is there mm. on the act but the lyricism isn't yeah i i hesitate to go track to track but i feel like every track on this album comes together so well as a cohesive mm. package yeah. that it's impossible to not go track to track oh we're going track to track huh we're okay. going track to track. <laughs> I am. You can join me or you can do it separately. <laughs> I I will piece in my little Okay. Cuz I've got some that I like put together. Like I, I talk about all the tracks, but anyway, you'll see. Um so I think Exhibition is probably the song on here that fits the theme the least but is still somehow a phenomenal opener. And it's not one of the heaviest breakdowns of the year, but it's easily one of my favorites. The mosh call of fight the change with the engine's hiss is delivered with such 
perfect grit. The, the, the delivery on Hiss is... Ugh. Step back is my favorite mid-breakdown call-out ever. Bar none. It I is think so good. It's a top-five moment on the entire album for me. And I just... I love the way, too, that the drums build up in the first verse while his vocals also continue to build up. And then it mellows out in the chorus. Like the, the drumming stops speeding up. Jeremy's voice, he, his cleans are lower than the highs of Mike's uncleans. But it still works so well. I don't get it. It feels like it shouldn't work, but it does perfectly to build energy for the rest of the song, for the album. I, I went from thinking it was an okay opener to listening to this repeatedly and being floored by how much it grew on me every single time I heard it. Salt and Watchtower are a back-to-back one-to-two punch that I think were great as singles. They were my two favorite singles easily, but they interject themselves flawlessly into the track list. And I think the highlights of both with Salt's riff and Watchtower's breakdown are both still so unbelievably good in their individual songs. But in terms of the tone of the album, they also work perfectly. And it's it's just unreal to me how well they work on their own and how much even better still they fit between exhibition and noise. Um, noise is my favorite track on here for ages, and it's still a stupidly close second. I think the chorus and the chant before the breakdown are Jeremy's best work on the entire album. Um, and of the infinite amount of emotional moments in this album, the chorus is one of the top three for me. I really, really connected with it. And it it keeps me going through, I guess like it kind of propels me forward through this entire like color decay experience type of thing, like getting from the first three tracks to the next section of the album. Sonically, I don't know if you'll agree with me. I think Broken and Sacrifice sonically are the two weakest songs on the album. Oh, no, I can't agree with Broken. Okay. I cannot. That's okay. Because I think you got to remember Broken earned, Broken, like the song as a whole earned my runner up for lyrics. Like it's still Mm. an incredible song. And I guess if I had to pick or force myself to pick one, um, Drink It Down, I'm on Empty, Shaking Now, Please Don't Worry, It Surrounds All That I See, I'm on Empty, My Hands Are Torn Up From All These Broken Bottles, I Can't Stand Lost Too Much, I Know I've Got My Problems, Every Day I'm Afraid That I Might Find The Bottom, is like, that hits home. Like, that is rough. This whole album is hard to listen, it's so easy yet hard to listen to. Mm. Um, And even if I don't love Sacrifice as a song, well, I do, but compared to the rest of the, the album, I don't. But that sludgy breakdown at the end is so fucking yes. sick still. I can't believe the way it's grown on me since it was a single. It was my least favorite single by far, and it just somehow has come together. A hundred percent agree. Way. I'm just tapping on here. Um, Yeah, like, yeah, go for it. I'm going to go. I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm going to go no, back no. to noise. Yeah. yeah, as you should. Fuck yeah, as um, you should. Top 10 song of the year. The breakdown. Yes. I can't sleep. The sky is falling. Rest in peace. The noise is calling. The tone Mike goes into is like, it's haunting. It almost sounds like he's, it's, it's, I want to say bored, but it's more like. It's nonchalant, maybe, it, I guess. Like void of mean. life. Yeah. 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 Um, And I think it, it, it works so well it it gets across that feeling 
I can't sleep. The noise is calling. Mm-hmm. Um, so well, especially when he screams it after too. Mm. Oh God, that song's so fucking good. We both had it at the same place on our top ten songs of the year list. Yeah, like number seven. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. I still, even if it's not my favorite song on the album anymore, I still stand by its placement. That song is so fucking incredible. Trapped is probably one of the more perfectly executed songs lyrically and sonically on the album. I think um, it encapsulates honestly exactly how I feel when my girlfriend is going through something when she's at her lowest mm. and how I feel I need to be there for her, and vice versa too, that I both sides and both parties in that song, I feel like I can relate to simultaneously, which just makes yeah. the song hurt all the much more. Um, yeah. Don't say sorry. It's not your sake. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the, oh yeah. That, that one hurts. I think it's the closest you get to hope on this album. Mm. Cause I feel like this whole album is just so devoid of hope. And yeah, um, I, for me, time is another interesting one because it's so strong lyrically and it has this incredible parallel with references to a glacier and different lines across the song. Mm. And I interpreted the glacier as like the top of a, well, I guess I'm confusing maybe a glacier and an iceberg type of thing, but the top of the glacier is the struggles that everyone else sees you going through. And it just pales in comparison to everything that's beneath the surface and that, nothing can heal it and it just kind of follows you and drags you down wherever you go it it adds on to that hopelessness and then you get to fucking 25 holy god <laughs> i think that lyrically this, yeah this is the song it's the most desperate mike's feels on the album i think i think it's if for me this is the most raw desperate painful song to listen to on an album that is full of raw desperate painful songs um 25 lyrics the devil wears prada real quick i gotta pull those up um in pieces in separate rooms by then i'd lost my voice you can hear him it sounds like he's lost his voice like it sounds like he's raw from crying um and then this, these lines, it was over. I couldn't cope or offer up any more time. When was the last laugh we had? Like when we were 25, it's over what I'd hoped for. Couldn't stand being by my side. You know, asking this person, how, how could you want to leave? Put down just a memory, been holding on by a string. By April, the snow was melting and I thought you'd give another try, but it was past now, gone for good now. No longer 25, no longer 25. Holy shit. <laughs> And who is it this could be, this person in front of me? No, I tried everything, but I'm not what you wanted. To me, I think that goes two ways. I think that you're either asking a person who left, like, I don't recognize you anymore. Like, who are you? You're not the person that I knew when I started dating versus, you know, looking in the mirror and asking yourself, um you know, who are you? Like, I don't recognize you anymore. You're not me. You're not human. As yeah. you kind of fall into what you're dealing with. Fire and hallucinate are perfect foils to each other. I think Complete this album opposites. is organized. Yeah, exactly. And they work so well together with um, fire, that slower pace kind of melancholic introspection into like wondering, at least to me, I interpreted it. And I want to know if you had it any differently that 
Fire is about wondering why you're bothering to save yourself and debating whether or not you should just, um, what's the line, run into the fire. While hallucinate is, it answers the question of fire, whether or not like you should succumb to it and say, fuck it, give in type of thing. You know, were you feeling the same way about it or am I off base? um, Maybe with fire. Uh, Hallucinate, I know, is about a book um that oh, mike read oh shit. yeah it's a it's about a guy who's dealing with um a brain tumor mm. okay and he's he's in a he's in a a hospital and he's debating like what's real what's fake black temple hallucinate mm. um and then yeah, he's been, and then at the, and then you get to the breakdown. It's I've been forced into the depths of agony. Uh, I do anything for some kind of relief, just wanting it to end. Hallucinates my favorite song on the album, by the way. I think it really grew on me, but that makes a ton of sense. And I guess it also contextualizes cancer. I forgot that you um, explain. I, I had that written down that you and I interpreted it way differently mm. um, when we reviewed it. And that you've got the actual context for how it goes. So you got yeah, the real yeah. answer. Um, for me with, you know, uh, the delivery at the end of Hallucinate being, I do anything for some kind of relief. I do anything. I do anything is that like ultimate cry of hopelessness into cancer being you fully succumbing to that hopelessness that I hope that it's cancer and not something else. Cause I don't need any more things I don't want to talk about is whoever this person is in the album uh just kind of giving up and wishing that whatever's wrong with them from here on out is cancer so they can just escape the constant hopelessness and depression and anxiety and misery of living which is like this perfect bow on this sorrow and hollow desolation that color decay conveys to me it makes it hit all that much more not having that context and i'm almost Mm. glad i didn't type of thing yeah it's it's the keyboardist wrote this song or the lyrics to the song and a hero of his passed away and instinctually he thought um he hoped that he died he died of an illness like a cancer instead of uh suicide or drug addiction and Mm. basically it's immediately thinking that and then in verse two you get the how could i think such a thing who am i to say like why did i think that why why would what's wrong with me and it even says that in the song what's wrong with you they'll ask about me um you're done you're through yeah it the the acoustic ending yeah it's just it is it is the closer of the year yeah agreed a hundred percent and it just completes the album so nicely i i think there were albums this year that were track by track perfect especially more like the more this year than any other i i usually have like a couple in my top 10 that are i think my one through eight don't have a single bad track on any of them and i think to me that was a testament to 2022 and also a testament to have this above seven other albums that for all intents and purposes i thought were perfect song to song 
similarly, there were albums this year for me that were emotional gut punches, like Donovan Malero or Dark Sun by Dayseeker. It is beyond rare to get an album that has both a flawless track list and the emotional capability to tear you to pieces. And I think Color Decay not only achieves both better than, for me, any other band in the past four years, but this has snuck its way into my top three albums of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, alongside Haven't Been Myself by Too Close to Touch and Everyone I've Ever Loved by Valley Heart, which are the only two other albums to achieve that same level of perfection for me. Yeah. The past four years, I think combined between catching up on old things, listening to new things, I probably heard 14, 1500 albums. This is number three. And easily my third favorite album, honestly, of all time. This, it's, oh, it's such an emotional gut punch and an experience and a beautiful example of musicianship from people who have, this is the kind of quality I expect out of a band who's new and young and putting out their maybe third or fourth album. This is what, they're like eighth? I want to say eight. Something ridiculous. This band's been around for like 15 years and they are putting out the best material of their career. That is a testament to the musicianship of every single person in this band. I I haven't heard an objectively good album, objectively phenomenal, flawless album like this in four years. Yeah, I I think like uh, Justin and and Jake, you can join in on this too. I think twenty twenty two is my favorite year for albums. For albums, yes. I'm gonna definitely for albums. Disagree. Eight only because me, well, yeah. only because for me, nothing can compare to uh, 2019. Mm. 2019 is an extremely close runner-up, but I think like my number ten album of 2019, if you don't remember, was Solence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. how the mighty have fallen! Yeah. I, that would not have flown by this year. This, I think 2022 in general is the best year for music I think the scene has had since 2016. And my favorite since 2016, personally. And I think that it's also what everybody thought that 2021 would be. With people coming out with like fantastic artist, uh, artistic expression coming out of COVID and everything. That there was supposed to be this like renaissance. And I think even even between albums like... I mean, the death of peace of mind, color decay, even North Lanes Obsidian comes to mind where you've got these albums. Eternal Blue. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, just albums that feel like they're pushing the scene forward or in a new direction. And that when we look back on this decade are going to define the rest of the music in this genre, color decay, the death of peace of mind, again, Obsidian, just so many different things have come out in the past year or two that really feel like we're going to get more things like this moving forward because they're so fucking either good or such a new and vibrant direction that there's no way that other bands don't take notes. If they don't, they're stupid. I mean, like you, you would have to be dumb not to look at the success or how good things like this are and try and replicate it. And I think that we're going to see a lot of really good albums from these same bands and other bands who catch on in the next probably two to three years. And I can't wait. Personally, I think 2022 has been a really defining year for music, especially in our scene. Derek, 
I a, need to know before we wrap this up. Yes. What is the second album you thought we were? I was missing. Uh, drugs feel, and Ren for sure. That's what I thought it was. I thought, yeah, Jake and I had the theory that maybe you would have that, but no, it's there's good songs on it, but yeah, not. Oh, it's number thirteen. It's my you. number thirteen. Wow. Yeah. Where was Rent for short for you? Did it just miss the cut? It was thirteen. Okay, that makes me feel better. Um, with that, do you guys have any last comments on Color Decay? No. Nope. That is our longest episode. <laughs> Holy that shit. is very much our longest episode. I mean, we're saying this is the best year for music since 2019 or 2016, even. And I think the problem is too. This kind of deserves it. Yeah, there were so many good albums this year that I feel like a lot of our time has been saved in past years from overlap. And any overlap was in our like top three, so we didn't get to like kind of discuss it a little bit. I think we only had two overlaps outside of that, right? It was Garden, Coward, Abyss was an overlap. Dayseeker Uh, was an overlap. Wolves. Yeah, Wolves was kind of an overlap. Oh yeah, you had run run my runner up. Yeah, well, I just yeah, meant more in terms right. of albums that like we could talk to together theoretically and like not pass over like I did with Memphis like, was an overlap. Yeah. Uh, Stand Atlantic Garden. was an overlap. Right, but yeah. with Memphis and Stand Atlantic, those were in your top. We couldn't. Three. We couldn't. Yeah. Right. So I think yeah. we took more same time. with Varsity. Yep. Yep. True. Wow. What a year! What a year! I can't think of a better way to send off 2022. I can't. If you want to follow recap. Up. <laughs> no, no, no. Before you do socials, I'm calling okay. it right now. 2023 Windwalkers. A-O-T-Y. Album of the year. Oh, what's my pred for AOTY 2023? Conquer Divide. Conquer Divide AOTY 2023. I don't know what my most anticipated is. Make a pred. We're all making a pred right now. Make a pred. You have 30 seconds. I see stars is a good one. Um um i don't know like d- d- this year it was clearly the death of peace of mind or but you have 10 seconds make a pick i'm picking icy stars i guess you're picking icy stars all right i'm Derek, picking i'm picking, picking issues all right we'll see how that turns out in next year's awards this year is not over we will be doing a rather short december recap uh, <laughs> at some point in early january <laughs> um but for the year of 2022 this is our last episode that will be released in the year itself and what a way to send it off thank you for listening to our madness if you got this far (laughs) you're a real one you are the real one and i'm pretty sure yeah yeah you absolutely skipped but you're smart You can follow us on social media at HiveMindRadio underscore on Instagram and Twitter. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. These episodes uh, have a visual and please help us get 100 subscribers if we're not there already by the time this goes out. Follow us on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, all the other platforms as well. Thank you for an amazing year. And we'll see you in 2023. We will. Have a good one. Peace. Bye-bye.